The Power Trip is a proud member of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. You can find more, more phenomenal kaiju and tokusatsu content at kaijuramenmedia.com. What's up, everyone? It is JDF the Green Ranger, and you are listening to The Power Trip. It's more time. Lisa! listeners with attitude i'm michael and i'm nathan and i'm kaiju kim and we're continuing our journey through the power rangers franchise in today's episode we're discussing power rangers dino thunder So we're about two. This is our second entry into the Disney era. Nate, how are you feeling so far, bud? Well, it hasn't killed me yet. And this is actually our third. Oh, crap. It, it is our third. Wow. Ninja, Ninja Storm, Ninja Storm and Wild Force were such a blur. It's almost like we've never recorded them. Yeah, about that. this is the part where we fess up because confession is good for the soul (laughs) yeah we're recording this a little bit out of order just because we we wanted schedules to line up and our very wonderful guest that we're going to be talking with today has a very special event in her life coming up and we wanted to get her on before uh, her her wedding and her honeymoon so welcome to the podcast miss kaiju kim thank you for having me uh michael and nathan and uh i'm probably by the time this um, episode is published the wedding and honeymoon will have already happened but thank you yes yeah, thank you <laughs> yes quite yes quite uh, <laughs> <laughs> here we go no, no one will get the joke i understand that but, uh, but inside no, joke is not obvious. I right. Mean. <laughs> so, so Kim, thank you so much for coming on. We, we wanted to shit. We talked about it on our last uh, episode. I think it was our Saban break. Yeah. It was our Saban breakdown uh, where we Saban were, ranking Saban ranking. There we go. Where we talked about how we were really excited to share the next leg of this journey, this journey in the podcast with our friends. And so uh, technically at the time of this recording, at least you are our first guest, at least as, as far as recordings go uh, first mm-hmm. guest on a mainline episode on a mainline episode yeah yes. yeah so we're we're really happy to have you here kim thank you so much well thank you for having me i'm excited to talk about uh, dino thunder oh mm-hmm. yes it's going to be it's gonna be quite the adventure yes quite. yes in fact you chose this one we said hey kim what would you like to would you like to be on the show yes i would what do you want to be on for dino thunder okay <laughs> yeah uh, yeah yeah and, l- and let me tell you travis was not happy Sorry, Travis. 
first come, first serve. But before we get well, a little well, bit, I mean, what we, how can we say no to the kaiju queen? I'm just saying. This is true. <laughs> this I is, mean, thus saith the queen. <laughs> thus, thus saith the queen. And thus saith me about this podcast before it gets a little bit too off the rails. Uh, since you do have the distinction of being our first guest that we're talking to on a recording, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, so we're going to ask you three questions. I'm sure this sounds a little bit familiar to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, quite. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I wonder where you got this idea from, Michael. Uh, I came up with it on my own with my own brain. I come up. I came Lies. up. With it. Yes. So You're also a liar. <laughs> well, so here's what we're, we we borrow things from some of our favorite shows, and we just kind of <coughs> make, <coughs> we borrow things from other shows, and we just make them with in, or without permission. We borrow things, Nathan, for the for, from other shows, and we insert them into this podcast because we think that they're going to work. So, Kim, I've got three questions for you to get us kicked off and to let the f- listeners get to know you a little bit. Uh, uh, so the first question is, who is your favorite ranger? Second question is, what is your favorite ranger moment? And the third question, and this can be literally anything, what is your favorite non-Power Ranger movie or television show? Okay, so my favorite ranger, um, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit biased here, but, but my favorite ranger would be Kimberly, the pink ranger for oh, obvious okay. reasons. Obvious reasons. <laughs> obvious reasons are obvious. <laughs> uh, I, uh, congratulations. I had to wait all the way until beast morphers to get a ranger with my name. <laughs> well, I got lucky. So, mm. uh, let's see my favorite ranger moment. Hmm. Is, that's a tricky one because there was a lot of awesome moments off the top of my head. I would get, I guess I would have to say, um, the entirety of Forever Red from Wild Force. So that was a good one. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I think that was the first, uh, like, big major team up that I saw. And I saw it when it first aired. So, oh, so um, you saw the first appearance of the Nostalgia Rangers. Yes. Mm, got indeed. it. Yes. I, I saw it live on TV and it was great. It was awesome. It was magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> And my favorite non-Power Rangers movie or TV show, I'm going to pick a TV show because I recently started rewatching this. It's called Once Upon a Time. And <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. Okay. I know. If you know me, you know I'm obsessed with that show. That doesn't that does not shock me at all. Okay. Listen, listen. It's a good show. If you like fairy tales with a modern twist, you will you will love this show. It's okay. Amazing. It just comes off the rails a little bit later in its run, from what I understand. Oh, very much does. Very yeah, much so. Yes. It's a little bit uh it to say it's to say those later seasons of Once Upon a Time are faithful to the storybook lore is a little bit of a stretch. We'll say. I mean, I I didn't say it was faithful. I'm just saying it's kind of it, it's Hmm. It's it's interesting it's <laughs> and it's fascinating. It's very interesting. I think I made it through like the first like two or three seasons of Once Upon a Time, and I just kind of fell off. It just really didn't interest me all that what all that much. Meanwhile, I just listen to friends and family talk about it and just think to myself, "Why are you still watching?" <laughs> 
Listen, I, I think it's worth the watch. Just don't, 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 you can skip season seven. That doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> so it's kind of like season 12 of Supernatural. You can just kind of skip over it. Yeah, um, I can, you can just, you can just end it at season six. Yeah, pretty, yeah, it should have ended at season six. I think you're right. Um, okay, well, that's really interesting. That, that allows the listeners with attitude to get to know you just a little bit more. So, Nathan, before we get into our plot synopsis, I we actually have a brand new five-star review to read out on iTunes or from iTunes. We've been getting a lot of those lately. We have been, and we're really thankful for everyone who takes the time to write in and give us feedback on the show. So, this one mm-hmm. comes in from a, a listener by the name of Palagi Brewing. Uh, the title of the review is my first ever podcast. So thank you. Thank you for this being your first ever podcast. What a, what a way to start. I'm sorry in advance. Um, and the review reads like this. Uh, so full disclosure, I have never gotten into podcasts. However, I have spent the last, uh, the last week only listening to this. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Um, currently on Lost Galaxy, which is also where I fell off as a kid growing up, but I look forward to con- look forward to continuing the series with the seasons I missed. Truly addictive for any Power Ranger fan, no matter the age. Keep up the great work, guys. Much love from Panama City, Florida. Well, thank you so much uh, for that review. And if you want to be cool like this person uh, and leave us a rating or review, we promise to read that feedback on a future episode. You can do so on iTunes or you can rate us on Spotify or you can rate us and review us on Podchaser and we will try our best to read that out on a future episode. So does uh, anyone here remember what the f- was the first podcast they ever listened to? Uh, that's a good question. I think mine was Kaiju cast to be quite honest with you. Uh, mine was derailed trains of thought. Although that was mostly because uh, my friend started it. <laughs> oh, okay. I think mine was like an entrepreneur type thing. Cause I'm trying to get my business off the ground. Okay. Ooh, I, a business yeah. woman. Yes. Ooh. An enterprising young lady. She hmm. works hard for the money. <laughs> so hard for the money okay that's enough I can't. all right then that's enough anyway before this gets too off the rails nathan what is our plot synopsis for power rangers dino thunder dr tommy oliver barely escapes from a mysterious island crawling with dinosaur mutants before it explodes some years later he lives a quiet life as a high school science teacher but when the evil saurian overlord mesagog sets his sights on breaking back the age of dinosaurs Tommy jump kicks into action by collecting the Dino Gems. These artifacts choose three unlikely teens from very different worlds with a Dino Thunder power-up to defend the world. As their battles with Mesagog and his minions rage on, Tommy becomes a ranger once more, and another young man with secret ties to a very divided Mesagog joins the legacy of power. So Dino Thunder is one of those seasons that I've personally been looking forward to discussing because I've had a lot of fans, Kim included, sing the praises of Dino Thunder. And after watching it and after kind of and after watching it and reviewing it for this uh, for this podcast, I can clearly see why people love this season so much. It truly is like the it feels like the spiritual successor to the original Mighty Morphin show. Which was by design, actually. Mm. (laughs) I've actually heard a lot of content creators in the Power Rangers sphere say that 
This is the only good legacy season of Power Rangers. Uh-oh. <laughs> and you might be thinking, wait, this is season 12. How is this an anniversary? It's because this commemorated 500 episodes of Power Rangers. Yep. This contained mm-hmm. the 500th episode of Power Rangers, which was a clip show. I was going to say, and how do we celebrate with a clip show with a clip show? That's, so, the, that's the equivalent of celebrating your birthday by looking at your baby pictures. I mean, okay. Some, some babies are cute. I will say, and then, but I've seen some pretty ugly babies, but uh, speaking of cute babies, Yo, Michael was an ugly baby. Apparently oh my God. I was not an ugly baby, Nate, but speaking of cute babies, since Kim, you are our guest, uh, Tell us a little bit of how you discovered Dino Thunder, when you watched Dino Thunder, and kind of your overall opening thoughts of Dino Thunder. Um, overall, I really enjoyed Dino Thunder. Um, I first got um, into it, like I was just scrolling, uh, um, what's it called? Not scrolling, uh, surfing through Metal the channel. Surfing. There we go. Yeah, there we go. That's the one. Uh, yeah, like years ago, I'm just like, oh, I know. Let's see what's on TV. And then I saw Dino Thunder was on. I, and I saw that Tommy was like in the credits. And I'm like, what? Tommy's in this? What? <laughs> Hello? And so, yeah. And I, I watched it. And I, I only watched like a couple episodes, like when it first aired. And then a few years back, I um, had like a Power Rangers marathon with my brother, my older brother, who was, you kind of introduced me to Power Rangers. Like, mm-hmm. indirectly. You know what I mean? Like sure. he was watching it in the living room. Oh, and I so so you the- had a power trip. I did, yes, with my brother. Um, back when all the Power Rangers seasons were on Netflix. Oh, those were the days. Uh, good times, good times. But yeah, um, I really liked Dino Thunder because it's like, like you were saying, it's like a spiritual successor to the original. Like mm-hmm. right down, right down to having like Tommy, one of the original Power Rangers, as a mentor now. And so I thought that's like, it it comes full circle. And that's one of the reasons I really, really enjoy this series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's what I was a little bit of afraid. I was a little afraid of that uh, going into Dino Thunder. I was, I was really afraid that they were going to, with Tommy, with JDF as part of the cast, I was really afraid that they were going to lean very heavily into nostalgia. Uh, And, as much as I love the original Mighty Morphin show, as much as I as much as I am very nostalgic for a lot of parts of this franchise, I want I, I was kind of had lower expectations heading into it outside of what people had already told me, um, because taste is always subjective, and I never know how I'm going to feel about something until I watch it for myself. Now, Dino Thunder, well, I was ple- I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised because the way they utilize some of the lore from past seasons, uh, specifically the Mighty Morphin lore, they actually use it in in pretty I would say pretty effective, pretty sparing ways. And when they mm-hmm. use it, it's and when they use it, it actually means something. Yeah, one of the problems that you potentially run into as I think we'll see later is leaning way too hard into the nostalgia, mm-hmm. which doesn't allow the show to stand on its own merits, stand on its own merits yeah. basically. And the other issue that you run into is especially when you're bringing in somebody like Tommy, you risk Tommy Oliver overshadowing everyone else. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, the presence of JDF does not take away from the other actors or the other characters. Mm. This, I don't want to say he's a supporting character, but 
he's definitely kept in the mentor position. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately not his show, if that makes any sense. No, it yeah, makes they, they they use him just like just the right amount. They don't like overuse him. They don't underuse him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in fact, there are even kind of points where JDF's presence is radically reduced because they come up with and this is an interesting idea i think they basically he can't unmorph yeah and that lasts for about 10 episodes so we don't see jdf we hear him because he still does the voiceover but i still don't finding production information on the show is surprisingly difficult to come by because i really wanted to know why did they do this was this something that was always planned or did they have to do this because JDF wasn't available? I saw, I I remember seeing something on IMDB. I was looking it up and he wanted to spend time with his family. I think like how dare, like how dare he want to spend time with his family? I know. It's so rude. (laughs) So rude. So rude. But yeah, that's what I was uh, kind of reading myself that JDF kind of had it in his contract that he could fly home to Los Angeles anytime he needed a break. So he needed a break. I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, now I didn't read this, but I'm just kind of putting, I'm piecing things together and just using context clues. His wife was pregnant at the time. Um, so mm-hmm. probably he was traveling back and forth to in between shoots in New Zealand. Uh, and then maybe provide, I would say probably were providing voice, voiceover work from a studio in Los Angeles. And then he would fly back to do more episodes in the series. Um, probably. So, so probably. And the other thing that I want to, well, first off, we should probably mention, cause we, as we always do, that this is what Sentai this is based on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You want to take your, take a crack at saying this? <laughs> uh, it's based on, um, uh, it's based on a Sentai called Bakuru. Sen- I'm, I'm probably saying that completely wrong, but Bakuru Bakuryu. Bakuryu? Bakuryu. Bakuryu Sentai Abarenja. There we yeah. go. See, I could always yeah. count on Kim to not butcher it. Yep. Which um, literally means Blastosaur or Blast Dragon Squadron. They should have just called it the Blast Dragon <laughs> Rangers. That would have been <laughs> awesome. Well, actually, I looked it up. Uh, there, <laughs> th- ever heard, ever, anyone ever heard the term Thunder Lizard? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's Brontosaurus. So it mm-hmm. makes sense that Dino Thunder, Thunder mm-hmm. Lizard. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Plus, Blast Thunder, close enough. Yeah, close enough. Oh, uh, and Abba Ranger means Rampage Ranger. Yeah, actually, the theme song, which sounds very, you know, very upbeat and everything, sounds very nice. It's literally yelling rampage 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 that's the opening line (laughs) (laughs) rampage 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 (laughs) yeah yeah so this this season also had dino thunder also has the distinction of tying ninja storm back to the main continuity yeah apparently apparently ninja storm when it was when they were making it they were trying to basically say that all the power ranger teams before it were fictional and i guess people didn't like that so they said okay now we're gonna do a crossover and make it official they're part of the main universe course correct yeah course correction so it <laughs> makes total <No>. s- retcon <laughs> yeah yeah Thank although I, I yeah because apparently yeah which go back and listen to our ninja storm episode you'll understand I've, i also just want to bring up something this is just an interesting observation that i've made mm-hmm. 
And that is this was this is the first Power Ranger season that and maybe this is just one of those weird things that only someone like me would notice. This feels weirdly enough the most like the first real modern Power Ranger show. And that by that I mean there's a lot more talk about the internet and technology and mm. things like that. So it when I'm watching the 90s shows and you know they don't have the internet or cell phones and everything you know i understand it but now it's like oh you know we uh, now it's not just that they have cell phones because wild force they had cell phones mm. now it's we have a character who's obsessed with the internet and this is at a point where being obsessed with the internet made you a geek and it wasn't cool still in some circles wasn't quite cool to be a geek it's just kind of funny how that works out and yeah. there's a lot of talk about gaming and gaming online and things like that so I was it's, just a little surprised. It's, it's very reminiscent of like what we see now with geek culture, like being obsessed with new release, like new releases in movies, new releases mm-hmm. in gaming, new releases in comic yeah. books. Like, mm-hmm. but back then it wasn't nearly as looked upon as a cool thing as, as one of yeah. the, as what the cool kids but, did. But what's kind of weird is that this show mixes in actual pop culture references while also making up some of its own, but you know what it's referencing? Mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. Like one of my favorite lines is Connor in the first episode says something when talking about Tommy, when they're in his house, and they're like, Oh, come on. He's a teacher. He's not Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says, as he plays with a model dinosaur skeleton, John, it opens a, a door to the, to the secret lair. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, one other thing that I want to mention from uh, about Ranger is they did leave one Ranger out. Sort of. Yeah, this is the this is one of the first times, if not the only time up to this point. No, it's not the only time because there's because there was still um, a, this. This happened in Ninja Storm. Sorry, I'm getting a, I'm getting a little out of order. But this is one of the few times we don't see a pink ranger on. the yeah, team. But Abba Ranger had a pink ranger, but it wasn't a real pink ranger. It mm. was a girl who was one of their, I guess you could say civilian allies who wanted to be a power ranger. So she made her own costume costume. Yeah. And she was a pig instead of a dinosaur. But picture I see cute. why they left it out. Probably. I just wouldn't have really worked. And she so she was a joke character. Yeah. She was comic relief. Yeah. Mm. Although the tone and we'll talk about it a little bit more. Because there's a very interesting episode of Dino Thunder that comments on it. <laughs> the Sentai is the tone of the Sentai is very different. It's yeah. it's much lighter. Dino mm. Thunder is semi serious. The Sentai is very silly. <laughs> mm. Well, it's not. It's it's not. From what I understand, it's not Car Ranger silly. It is, but it does have a more lighter tone. Yeah, it's not but, a parody, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But now. With all of that, we, we've talked a little bit about Rampage, Rampage, Rampage. Now we need to actually talk about this show's theme song. And that means we need to tap into one of our guests' many talents, which is dramatic recitation. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kim, you, you, have, you, you have the floor to take us through your dramatic reading of the Dino Thunder theme song. There is a light. In the distance, see them coming closer with the force of ages, centuries gone by, protectors 
of the right. Defenders sworn to fight. Dino Rangers roar. Power Rangers score. Save us from these evil forces. Win. Dino Rangers win. Power from within. Victory is ours forever more. Thank you. That was brilliant. That was bloody brilliant, I say. Thank yes, you. quite. Thank you very much. Yes, quite. quite. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to mute myself while that was going on because I was laughing so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the, the the good thing about this theme song, though, is we we always like to start with the theme song, and we have pointed out in the past that some theme songs are better than others, uh, and we typically enjoy thought we thongs. There I am again. With <laughs> oh my god! I, see, I don't, I don't <laughs> typically enjoy thongs. What I find them with, to be uncomfortable. Wow. What is, <laughs> okay. What is with you and the, these Freudian slips with theme songs? I wow. Just, okay. Anyway, theme song. There we go. Maybe we can just merge theme song together and normalize using the word thong, but okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, what's your favorite thong? Um, well, I- <laughs> oh, well, well, I'm very partial to Go-Go Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> But we tend to, re- but Nathan and I along this journey have tend to ten- tended to like theme songs that actually try to tell us a story. Or um, at least explain things about the show. Now, mm-hmm. the other thing that I like, this was a welcome change because uh, not the biggest fan of the Ninja Storm theme song. It's not uh, a bad song, uh, but it like is, way, but for me, it's way too upbeat. It's way too Disney. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't, this doesn't feel like a superhero show. This this feels like a teen sitcom and it just it just wasn't working for me this gets back to basics mm-hmm. it goes back it's not wasserman but it goes back to what you more what we would expect with power rangers so it sounds more metally and it also as kim read for us so brilliantly it also gives us a sense and i've said this before i like the theme songs that not only explain the premise of the show but also give us a sense of danger and how Mm -hmm. these these are superheroes standing against the darkness i i really love the idea and also and this is a, a point that disney brain the youtuber brought up there's even subtle hits at nostalgia in this because you know the with the force of ages you know we have an episode the anniversary clip show called legacy of power that is showing these kids hey you're not the first you're in a a long lineage of heroes Mm. yeah and that that'll play very nicely when we get to the thematics of this series Mm -hmm. it's all this song is also ridiculously catchy it really (laughs) is it's incredibly catchy it's incredibly catchy like now during my during my rewatch i love the opening guitar riff too by the way everyone does yeah Yeah. now because you and the thing is is that it gets obscured a little bit by the opening line of the song which is a title drop no it's not a title drop but it gets obscured by the opening line of the song because the the guy singing it just says power rangers raw and you don't hear it 
Mm. Yeah. But when you hear an instrumental version, I was like, oh, that's a good riff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, our, when at the top of this show, when we played our intro music, because we always use the theme song to whatever particular to whatever season we're covering. Uh, Dino Thunder is is very high on my list of one of my favorite themes for the Power Ranger series so far. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of the better non Wasserman ones that we've heard in oh, a yeah. while. Yeah. And then we'll, yeah. and we'll, and actually we'll see Wasserman return after next season, Dino, next season with uh, SPD, which the SPD, the SPD theme is really good as well. Yeah. But we'll save that for next episode. Yeah, for sure. So Nathan, we, so now that we've covered a little bit about the theme song, we have to move into another patented part of this podcast. Oh, I made a, Patented part of this podcast. Hmm. Ooh, Ooh. I, 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 I'm rubbing off on you. Now that you're was, getting into alliteration oh, and that research. Was a nice, and, it was a nice alliteration. I'm proud of myself and it was really accidental. Anyway, um, into another patented part of this podcast, we have to talk about our Rangers, starting with course. our Red Ranger and uh, Mr. Connor McKnight, uh, played by James Napier. Uh, Napier. Napier. Uh, Napier. Um, he's a Kiwi. Um, and uh, which a lot of these actors and actresses yeah, are. Yeah, because now we're they're film. They're starting with Wild Force, they move to New Zealand. New Zealand. New Zealand. New Zealand. Is that the same as Bazingland? <laughs> no, it's it's England and New Zealand put together. It's it's a very it's a silly place. Anyway, like to visit. But you know, Connor Connor does he in a way he kind of feels like he's the jock yeah he's the jock he 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 plays the archetype of the jock very well we should say one of the things we should say we're talking since we're we've hinted at how some of the past disney seasons were toying with that kind of return to form Uh this is a true return to form absolutely right smack dab right smack dab back in high school with teenage heroes Mm mm-hmm so it's yes. Mighty Morphin all over again. Now, I do think these kids are a little older. They they fudge around with the ages of the kids and Mighty Morphin, but it's very well established that these kids are probably upperclassmen. Yeah, I'm I guessing would, uh, probably juniors well, because consider, Connor can drive. Uh, at least juniors because there was a couple. The, I think the, the, the finale. And they go to prom. The, yeah, the finale of the season deals with them going to prom. Because so, of course it does. That's what yeah. every teenage everything did at this time. Right. It yeah. Ends like one, prom. Yeah. One of the subplots <laughs> is them getting ready for prom and all the issues that surround that. So they're at least juniors, if not. I these actually these these kids feel more like seniors to me than juniors. But you know they they feel like I say at least juniors. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Kim? Yeah, I feel like they're juniors, but then the, like like we said at the end, they're at prom, and it says senior prom at the at the on the banner. Oh, it does okay, yeah. so they yeah. so maybe they were seniors. They didn't talk a lot about graduation, which is interesting. Yeah, and then in the next season, SPD, they're like coming back for their one year reunion. So I'm guessing oh, they're seniors. She read ahead. Mm, she did. Mm, I like it. I like it. I like it. I but, like yeah, it but Connor, Connor, the uh, the Red Ranger and our jock. So he's he, these characters are very archetypal, but not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. They don't even necessarily. I would. I was going to say they aren't necessarily the most dynamic characters, but I only say that because they go through changes, they develop, but that's not the main focus of the show. Mm-hmm. 
which is like Mighty Morphin in uh, to a certain degree. Now yeah. they they get a little they get more development than I, I think overall than the Mighty Morphin characters, but they really lean into making these kids memorable, giving them very strong defined personalities, which I think works very well for this mm-hmm. show. It does very much. Yeah, it's it's because of the original Mighty Morphin show was a we talked about the theme of that particular season was coming of age. Like these kids are literally be th- mm-hmm. are being thrown into danger and they're going to have to figure it out. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're going to have to do a little bit of growing up. It mm-hmm. feels as though that even the characters in Dino Thunder are maybe even like a couple of steps ahead, not necessarily in powers and being Rangers, but they feel like they're even a couple of steps. I don't know. Connor gets the most OP power up ever. Uh, Maybe, but I'm talking about (laughs) just, I'm just talking about personality and mannerisms. Yeah, I agree agree with you, but they, but they all go through some changes in, in one form or another. In fact, they basically hang a lampshade on it in the, penultimate episode before the finale i'm like with another clip show yeah and that was lame <laughs> we had two we had two clip shows in a row at the end there it was really ridiculous yeah but it's like hey you're not quite the same anymore and you're not quite the same well, whatever i'm like we get it just, you can tell this is a product of its time where people were just watching this once a week, every week, and not watching it all in a week like I did. So, you know. Yeah. Or four days like I did. Uh, yeah, because you're nuts. Anyway, so I, I like Connor overall. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's quite, you know, top 10 Red Ranger territory, but he's mm-hmm. act, but he's still very good, mm-hmm. I would say. He's at least runner-up on Best Red Rangers. He I would ha- he has um he has several meaningful like solo episodes that are that are dedicated to him mm-hmm. um that that one in the one in particular that I'm thinking of is the episode where he's pursuing this girl and uh she and the girl is a is big into vir- environmentalism and she's uh she's trying to save this yeah tree. save a tree yeah and mm-hmm. so Connor, it becomes the monster of the week because that's how the that's how the show works how this it has works. very mighty morphin style stories which i like right it does um but during the course of that episode, Connor does go through a growth process, whereas before he was just trying to, you know, pretend to be this person that he wasn't to try to get the girl. But by the end of that episode, he actually kind of becomes that kind of a little bit more of that sympathetic guy that this girl was looking for. Mm-hmm. And then they go to prom together and then they go to prom together. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. all pays off for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, he fits the role very well. He's uh I don't know. He doesn't quite fit the, well, I mean, he has moments of leadership, but that there's not really a whole lot of talk about team leadership in this one, at least with Connor as a red Ranger. No, he does they, it, but they it's not a big deal. They definitely lean on Tommy as their, as to be their leader and to be their mentor. Yeah. Which we'll get into here in a few minutes. So next we have the blue Ranger, Ethan James played by Kevin Duhaney, who is our token nerd who's also a blue ranger again um, again mighty morphin very mighty morphin yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, i like this kid mm, i like this kid yeah, too he's, he's fun mm-hmm. uh, if you're uh, if you're a geek and you you love geek culture and video games this 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 guy is your guy this is the character for you yeah yep, and this is the character for you, you know, he, and it's not he can be a little bit snobbish when it cuz he's so much smarter yeah. than everyone else but i don't know anybody like that nathan <laughs> 
<laughs> Not at all. <laughs> well, that, but you know, that's his little bit of hubris that he has to deal with. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, Connor's kind of cocky because he's like, I'm a jock. And you're the little <laughs> bit of hubris I have to deal with. So there you go. <laughs> but I like Ethan. I like Ethan a lot. Um, in fact, his, the way his, the way he is characterized reminds me a little bit in retrospect of uh, Billy from the 2017 movie uh, because they oh. have, they, it reminds me and not because he's African American. No, but because he, he, he is very, he's in, he's intelligent and he's a little bit more on the empathetic side. Um, I, I feel like Ethan's a little bit more empathetic than what we typically get for a male blue Ranger or just a male Ranger in general. Um, he's extremely intelligent, but the big, you know, but the biggest difference between the 2017, uh, movie version of Billy and Ethan is Billy was autistic. And they, I think they wrote that. I, I thought they wrote that character very well. And I think that they wrote Ethan very well as, as well, because they were able to characterize Ethan as this nerd geek, you know, like very stereotypical of the time, but in a way that was relatable and it actually, mm-hmm. in, and actually a joy to watch. In fact, we get several episodes with Ethan where Ethan kind of grows a pair and he, he, he gains that. Cause the one thing I feel like Ethan struggles with is he's extremely intelligent, but he lacks self-confidence. And I think that there was a lot, there was a few episodes there that really helped build that as mm-hmm. in, into his character. One of his best moments, I think, was the episode where he had to deal with the bully, who I think was played by the op- Operation Overdrive actor I met at Indiana Comic Con. I think so. I, I yeah. think so. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think, think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm th- it's, oh, the whole time is like, oh, going to fight you. I'm going to fight you. How dare you insult me? And I'm th- like, okay. How are we going to handle this? How is he going to just outwit the guy and just kind of dodge around and not get hit or something? No, he does actually something that seems very in character for him, which he shows up. He says, hey, let me use the Internet to show you how to be a better soccer player. Mm. And then please don't punch me in the face. So- <laughs> I, yeah, he actually, Ethan actually had like a few like funny comebacks to the to the bully like mm-hmm. one of my favorite lines like like the bully is all like like I, I kick the ball where i want it and then he's just obviously everywhere but the net ethan's got a mouth on him that's the nice thing about it. he's not uh, he's not witless that's a that's a stereotype of nerds that they get away from in this mm-hmm. where he's got he's got a mouth on him he's got zingers he's clever and, you know, he's kind of the comic relief of the team. He's the one. Well, they all spit out, create goofy one liners because they're Power Rangers and it comes with the territory. But, <laughs> you know, but one he of the, has the most, I feel like the the episode that I think was one of the, my favorites, at least as far as like the Ethan character goes, is is one where it's a little bit more subversive, because at this point you you would expect as a kid show that and. You know, we we talked about this in the original with the original Mighty Morphin Nathan, where it feels like these kids are good at everything. Yeah, like they're into everything and they're good at everything. The episode that I'm thinking of with Ethan is when he has that big gaming tournament coming up and he mm. loses. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's a really humbling moment for him. And and typically up to this point with Power Rangers, you would expect that, oh, oh, of course Ethan's going to win because he's one of the Power Rangers. He's one of the good guys. You know, he has to get the win. No, that episode is really nicely subversive where he actually doesn't win the tournament. And it was a kind of a humbling experience for him mm-hmm. because because Ethan's character does come off as a little arrogant at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's what makes it even funnier is who he lost to, which we'll talk about here in a yeah, little we'll bit. Yeah, we'll talk about and them in a minute. Our next uh, Rangers are Yellow Ranger, Kira Ford, played by Emma Lahana. And I actually found out that she's she's on a Mar- she was on a Marvel show a few years ago. Mm, yeah, we were talking about this last night. Yeah, she was on, uh, oh shoot. Cloak um, and Dagger. Yeah, there we go. Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, and she was a police detective who was also a comic book character. And in the comic books, her name is Mayhem. But, <laughs> yeah. but uh, she gets to, so she you know she started with the superhero game a little early. Here, fun fact: this was the first Power Ranger season that didn't gender swap the Yellow Ranger. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So Kim, um, I'll let you start this one. What did you think of Kira's character for Dino in Dino Thunder? Uh, yeah, I liked Kira. She's cool. I I have a she's like my second favorite ranger overall. Mm-hmm. Like because okay. you know, kind of she she dresses the way I dressed as a teenager. So right. I have kind of a soft spot uh, for her. She dress you dress like a punk. I that's, did. And that's what fashion says. I'm going to be honest with you, Kira. In a lot of ways, reminds me of my little sister. Mm. Oh yeah. Okay. Because yeah, my sister plays guitar. She had a bit of a punk attitude. Still, kind of does when she was growing up. And yeah, so I see a lot of my sister in Kira. Mm. Yeah, Kira doesn't take crap from anybody, and I I love that in a female character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's but- it's kind of weird because she's the only girl on this team, and she definitely feel we've you and you and I have talked, Michael, about how at least up until you know ninja storm the the yellow and pink rangers had particular f- female archetypes that they fit mm. into right and kira still fits into that yellow ranger archetype of being a little bit more tomboyish mm. but we don't have a counterpoint to her at least on the ranger team right yeah yeah we have we have her foil in one of the supporting cast yes um and we get and one thing that I think that one of the one of the points of growth I think for Kira for this season is she has to learn to trust people. Mm-hmm. She has she definitely has trust issues, and we find out later why because one of her friends um, who who was in a band with her went on to essentially steal a song they wrote together to become famous. And Mm -hmm. so that has caused her to have some severe trust issues. And you can kind of tell that with this first episode Mm -hmm. because she's very angsty and she's just very like, I don't Mm -hmm. want to do, I don't want to be around you people. Who are you people? Mm -hmm. Leave me alone. Yeah. She has that. She has a, like a a really severe distrust of other people. You see, and that's what makes the first episode of the show really interesting. You know, we talked about the mighty Morphin characters were good at everything and goody two shoes on that. These kids are troublemakers. Yeah, they're they're when, out, when they're they outcast. start, we're not outcasts, but they're they're not outcasts, but they're troublemakers in mm-hmm. one form or another. They all get in trouble. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got, um, you've got the arrogant jock with Connor. You've got, uh, the nerdy, you got the nerdy gamer kid who thinks he knows yeah, everything. Who pulls no, pranks and pulls pranks knows and everything. Thinks and he knows everything. And you've got just the very straightforward angsty teenager with Kira. Who's very defiant. <laughs> very defiant. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's like, she's playing, she gets trouble for playing guitar on school grounds. You can't do that. So who says I can't you watch know? me? <laughs> yeah, watch me. You know? I think she has. And they all they all basically meet in detention, and they don't like each other because they're very different. They are not friends. The Mighty Morphin bre- characters are all friends. These are like we don't even like each other, <laughs> which I think is a better dynamic. Honestly, it's very Breakfast Clubby. <laughs> it's very yeah. It's very. I was gonna say it's. It reminds me a lot of the Breakfast Club. In fact, it also reminds me a little bit of what they did with the 2017 movie. I can't. <gasps> I was just going to say, I cannot believe that I'm softening to this. I cannot believe I've referenced the 2017 movie twice in this, in a same podcast, but okay. Feeling okay, Michael. I'm feeling okay. Oh, I don't know. Like there is this coffee in my cup or is this whiskey? I can't tell. Um, (laughs) I too used to drink a lot. (laughs) And only, and only one specific person who's listening to this episode will understand what that means. Um, But it does feel very, it does feel very breakfast clubby, you know, it's, it, it, because in the 2017 move, movie, they all just didn't like each other. They, they all knew of each other. Like all these kids, Ether and Kira, they know who Connor is because he's one of the guys. He's one of the jocks, you know, he's on the soccer team. He's, he's, it, it look, I think I would imagine he's a soccer star, quote unquote, uh, for this high school. I mean, Connor is so good. He, <laughs> Well, first off, he seems like he has superpowers in that first episode when he's just kicking a yeah, ball. Yeah, that's a little bit. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a little much. Uh, but he turns down being a soccer, be, you know, joining, you know, a big league, big time uh, soccer team because he decided, you know what, being a Ranger is more important. But he yeah, was going to do it. He was on the verge of quitting. But then he's like, but then, you know, he saves a little girl and the little girl hugs him and says, thank you. And he's like, you know what? This is more important. And, you know, Connor, to go back to Connor just really briefly, he begins throughout the progression of this series, he begins to shed some of that selfishness. Because mm-hmm. when we first meet Connor, he's in, he's extremely arrogant. He's extremely selfish. Sexist. A little bit sexist. Yeah, he's a little <laughs> bit sexist. Yeah, little- what do you care about, girls? You know, the ones that smell nice and have the long hair. Yeah, that one. Uh, anyway, but, you know, he... What, he didn't Kira kind of give him that look like, I don't count? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but, you know, Connor goes through his own progression. He he goes from this the arrogant jock to being pretty empathetic, like an actual likable character by the time it's over. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, going back to Kira uh, and her character growth, she begins to trust people. Like Mm -hmm. she, and you know, that trust gets, gets broken a little bit later on with Trent and his, and the revelation of Trent, his father, uh, and Mezagogue, um, and that trust gets kind of broken a little bit and you could tell kind of Kira's character going kind of reverting back to the, I don't trust this guy mentality, but she really softens up during the course yeah. of this season. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before we get to the next couple of characters, cause we're probably going to park there for a while. I just want to ask you guys, cause this is a point of contention with people about this show because it sets a precedent that gets followed in some later seasons. How do you feel about them having civilian powers? I think it's cool. Honestly, 
It makes I mean, sense. I, I want civilian powers. <laughs> it it kind of makes sense. It, it it actually kind of makes sense because I always wondered why, well, even in the original Mighty Morphin show, why they didn't have like civilian powers or they didn't have super. If if they're really kind of if the power coins and things have really kind of merged with them and, and they've essentially merged with the morphing grid, wouldn't the morphing grid kind of bestow upon them a certain level of powers? I actually like the idea or I actually like the way the, 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 the directors and the, uh, of Dino, Th- of Dino Thunder uh, did with giving them dino themed civilian powers. And I think that makes a whole lot of sense, especially when you start talking about the merging of biology and science or science and technology, I should say, when you start kind of talking and and playing with those concepts, the dino gems like merging with their DNA and kind of changing them to some degree makes a whole lot of sense. And I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it either, but it's a weird point of contention because some people think it takes away from the morph it, powers and i don't think it does no i don't it think really it doesn't no i think it i think it adds to them and, is, and, yeah. and it actually gives us some really interesting moments that don't require our rangers to be morphed to mm-hmm. do to, to yeah to do that yeah it comes in handy fighting the henchmen this season but yeah so mm-hmm. connor has super speed although it only works and well no he did use it chase something down once mm. and ethan can turn into colossus from x-men he can harden his skin although mm. he only really does it on his forearms and he can block hits and then kira is <laughs> black canary <laughs> <laughs> she can scream really loud and <laughs> do sonic screams <laughs> my only issue is that i'm surprised they didn't use them more often mm. mm-hmm. I, I was uh, that was my kind of disappointment. It's like the show would sometimes forget that they had civilian powers. I think yeah, the most. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Kim. No, yeah, I was just gonna say like, yeah, like every once in a while, it's like, oh yeah, we have civilian powers. Let me scream in the face of these, you know, tyrannodrones or something. <laughs> but don't yes. we all want to do that some, from time to time? Just scream I in the. I just want to. Sc- I want. I've been <laughs> wanting to scream for this past thirty days. Scream in the face <laughs> of our imminent en- enemies, or scream in the face of our problems, and just make them go away. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's. I don't have a problem with the civilian powers. I think they they add something to the Rangers. They add something. Mm-hmm. They add yeah. an extra. And le- then your favorite thing copied it. They, um, yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, so it, they come in really handy, uh, when, especially fighting the, the wind rangers, uh, the ninja wind rangers. I think that's how the, I think yeah. it's official uh, the wind power rangers, the wind power, rangers, which makes them right. sound like they should be propellers, but okay. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Yeah. But they can't, not propellers, but, excuse me. Um, uh, windmills. <laughs> like go. I said, it, it creates some really interesting moments that don't require our Rangers to be morphed for. Yeah, for sure. And then we get to your favorite character. What's well, everybody's favorite character. I thought, well, not everyone's favorite character, but you have as the resident Lord gatekeeper declared him the goat. Meh. <laughs> 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 oh, Mr. Tom, Mr. Mr. Tommy, no, Doctor, Do- Doctor oh, Tommy, oh, Doctor Tommy <laughs> Oliver. 
Okay, I have questions. How old is Tommy? <laughs> Timelines. Timelines. Okay, so if we operate under the assumption that Tommy was a freshman in high school mm-hmm. and he became a Power Ranger, which is extremely generous. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Because he graduated at the beginning of Turbo, right. which is mm-hmm. season five. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Following. So basically four years. So he's 18 there. Mm-hmm. And then we've had, this is season 12. That was the beginning of season five, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we're being generous, <laughs> <laughs> we're looking at assuming everything went in real time. Uh-huh. Six or seven years. And okay. in that span of time, Mr. Oliver has gotten three degrees. Uh-huh. A bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD. In that amount of time. Okay. Assuming that we're that you know, time has passed in real time. And uh, has had, and and has had time <laughs> and has had time to research and develop uh biological technology for the tyrannodrons and everything else and everything else and mm-hmm. make friends with Haley who we'll talk about in a little bit that mm-hmm. is an inc- that is incredible <laughs> that is it, it must have been an incredible 7 years for Mr. I, yeah I'm just saying he was either uh, he was either a prodigy who just graduated early from everything or he just took twice as many credit hours. Yeah, and then, like, and then the, epi- at the very first episode, like it cuts to some years later. Like how, yeah, they, how, how many years is some? Exactly. Yeah, they fudge around. So I'm just like, I, and then there's the quip later from Elsa's like, Tommy, aren't you a little old for this? I'm like, he's in his mid twenties. Since when was that too old to be a power ranger? That's why honestly, I kind of wonder, and I don't say this to take anything away because Tommy is wonderful in this show. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wonder if when they were initially developing this show, that this the character of the high school teacher mm-hmm. who helps them out was originally not Tommy, and then they someone just realized, hey, we can make it Tommy. And mm. then they just kind of fit him in there. For marquee value. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Or or and this is another crazy cons- conspiracy theory on my part. I wonder if maybe it would would have just been Haley or a character like Haley. Haley basically would have been mentor and mm. tech person. Because you know, because she does more with the tech than Ethan. That's the big difference between Ethan and Billy. Is Billy was doing a lot of stuff with tech. Ethan doesn't really do that. So I wonder if maybe he's, either he's, Haley filled both roles and then they split the character or the high school teacher just wasn't Tommy. Ethan, Ethan is tech savvy. He's just not, yeah. the tech, he's just not the engineer of the team. Yeah, for sure. But Tommy's here and he's had gobs and gobs and gobs of crazy adventures, including going to the moon to fight the Beetleborgs. <laughs> 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 the not Beetleborgs, but you know, but anyway, and now he's trying to live the quiet life while also preparing to fight evil. I'm, uh, I, I, my personal head cannon is this is a little bit longer than seven years. This is a little bit of a longer. It has time to be. Yeah. Yeah. It, ha- it has to be. I, I, I don't- if this was like a decade, 
I could work with that well, a this, little bit better. Well, this this brings up this brings up the question, and I think I asked this in Time Force in the in our Time Force episode. How long after the events of In Space are we talking here? Like well, Time long? Force dates itself twice. Right. Three thousand. That is true. Two thousand one. That, that is true. You are correct. I for, yes, you are correct about that. I forgot about that. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering. Like what is what has transpired between say time force and Dino Thunder? Has there was there a time skip? Is is there a time skip mentioned somewhere in Wild Force um, to kind of give us an idea of how long it's been? Because my per, like I said, my personal headcanon is it's been a little bit longer than seven years. Because that's a lot to accomplish in quote unquote. Yeah. Seven well, years. and the opening of the first episode is Tommy on an island. Mm-hmm doing stuff and then yeah it skips ahead now he's just a high school teacher yeah you know but then we also find out and this was something that the disney brain brought up and we find out that tommy did have a hand in the creation of our villains but no one really talks about it all that much and it's basically it's not glossed over but they don't talk about it very much and he actually thought it was a missed opportunity to have tommy feel guilty about that mm, like some like levy some kind of consequences on yeah on Dr. yeah Tommy. his theory yeah. was that I, I guess jason david frank has been allotted at least a certain level of creative control over what happens with tommy uh, and I, I think, think he, so yeah and he basically told him yeah you know, i guess he kind of his theory is that he exerted a little bit of that influence and this is the like tommy the brand of tolly all tommy oliver is JDF and JDF is Tommy yeah. Oliver. They are basically yeah. one and the same at this point. Yeah. I know. Well, I do appreciate the subtle callbacks to mighty Morphin and all that. Cause they tap into Tommy's experience as a ranger. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we'll, we'll talk more about that when we get to the thematics, but I, there are points where I also kind of wish they had leaned into it just a bit more. Something you're going to find out is I have a, I have a pile, what I call the pile of small things that keeps this, this, that keeps this from being quite top tier. You know, of like if there's an S tier, Dino Thunder doesn't quite get there. It's A tier for me. But. I personally, and I think I told you this already, but I, I personally think that they used him enough. I think they used him enough because I don't, I, as much as I love the character of Tommy Oliver, Dr. Tommy Oliver, um, I think it could have been it could have gotten exhausting very easily by kind of banking on his popularity to carry the show i don't think they did that i i actually think that they used mm-hmm. the, the the character of dr tommy oliver just enough to give to to give a good balance between what was and what now is mm-hmm. kim what do you think yeah i agree with that it's like i was saying earlier they didn't use him too much they didn't use him too little and you know like they didn't overdo it or anything but it was just enough you know to make you feel nostalgic but it also gives you something new yeah but what did you guys think of him as the black ranger so we interested how many he's had a different color every time let's say he's He's been green green, white white, red red, and now black four (laughs) that's four colors yeah yeah I think it worked. Uh, it was just, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just weird seeing Tommy in a, in a, in a color other than white, green or uh, red. Um, but I, I, I was, I, I think it worked. Uh, I, I really wasn't so much focused on his color, 
aside, but maybe just his mentorship of the team. That's what I was yeah. mainly focused on. He's, which is, I think it's really interesting. I feel like it, uh, and we'll talk more about it, like I said, in the thematics, but it's interesting to see Tommy come full circle because now mm-hmm. he's basically Zordon. Essentially. Yeah. And you can mm-hmm. tell, and we, and we've, I, you can tell that, um, that he's probably pulling like some of the things that he's telling, uh, the kids, uh, Connor and Ethan and Kara, like some of the things that he says to them sounds like something Zordon would have said to him when he was, mm-hmm. a, when he was a younger ranger. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, let's, let's talk about our next ranger. And then I want to, uh, I want to hear what you guys think six, of the costumes. Our, yeah. our not sixth our, ranger. Our fifth ranger, fifth ranger. Yeah. Fifth ranger. (laughs) This is what, this is the point where the teams start getting a, at least starting. Well, no, this is the first time where the core team is just three. And then they add a fourth and it's, yeah, they have five and not six this time Mm -hmm. around. It was just kind of interesting, but yeah, Trent Fernandez Mercer Mm -hmm. played by Jeffrey Perrazzo. So I'm actually a big fan of what they did with, this guy. In fact, in some ways, I feel. Remember how we talked about how the Titanium Ranger wanted so badly to be green with evil, and it doesn't yeah, quite is, get there. No, it, this gets there. No, this totally this gets, gets there. there mm-hmm. Yeah, but it but this gets there. But it gives the story room to breathe, and <laughs> they do a variation on a theme, which is really nice. It's it almost gives not, it a little bit too much room to breathe, but we'll get we'll we'll get there. Yeah, maybe. But so the, first off, they introduced Trent a f- uh, several episodes. Actually, I think like an episode two or three. I think so. He's established as a character before he becomes Pretty a early, ranger. Yeah. Although there was a kind of a drop thread there because Kira looked like she was crushing on him hard, and then suddenly the next episode she forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Is that one of your small things? Yeah, that's one of my small things. Okay, <laughs> just like. You're not going to do anything with that? <laughs> yeah, I was a little disappointed. I, I was shipping um, Kira and Trent the whole time. I mean, time. especially later, because she becomes basically his confidant. Mm-hmm. But So basically what ends up happening... Well, and Trent has a really... <sighs> Michael, you and I were having discussions about this, because I'm like, hold on. Is this show trying to imply something, but it can't say it because it's a kid show? Because uh, you, when we meet his about- father... Okay. So you're you're talking about the relation. Okay. You're talking about the relationship between him, his Mr. Mercer and, uh, Elsa. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, no, him and no, Mr. Mercer and Trent. Okay. Yeah. Because Mr. Mercer's father, which is a very kind of Mr. Collins and Wes sort of dynamic, but it's not exactly the same from time force, but Hey, if you're going to borrow something, borrow from time force. (laughs) (laughs) but he says that he, cause someone points out like he doesn't look like you. And he's, he basically says that he adopted him, but I thought of it was more like he was his ward, not really his son. Mm-hmm. No. So it's kind of like uh, when Bruce Wayne took in Dick Grayson after Dick Grayson's parents died, then he became Robin. But it, I honestly thought I was like, are they trying to imply that Mercer is his father and he's say the product of an affair or something? And then he just got stuck with the kid, which actually would make a lot of sense. But then they reveal later that Trent had biological parents and they quote unquote disappeared. I'm like, did Mercer? 
Sir Kilvum yeah. or something? Like, I'm assuming all of these very dark origins that the show never confirms. Yeah, and then you and I had a really weird kind of out there headcanon uh, explanation last night when we were kind of talking over our notes. And um, where it's that it's at the it's in the final episode and Elsa is uh, she's back to her human form again. And Mr. Mercer is also back into his human form again. And uh, it's kind of implied that she and him had an affair or at least they have a thing for each other. They have like a, they had a relationship and that maybe the product of said relationship is Trent. I don't know. I can't figure it out because there was a weird, because there was a weird kind of glance over her shoulder at Trent when they were talking about her, like care to save a dance for an old friend. Like, is Mm -hmm. that a euphemism for something? I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Hmm. it was just hinting at the fact that they were both, villains for a while i don't know maybe but, yeah. you know but uh i really do like him and he's a nice parallel to tommy but one of the things that i really like about it is that it's a jekyll and hyde dynamic that made the literary mm-hmm. nerd in me happy mm-hmm. where this wasn't just he's under oh, like tommy under a magic spell it's mind control no this is the white ranger takes over and he never knows when it's going to happen Mm. And it's against his will. And then he's burdened by the fact that he's doing all of these terrible things, but he doesn't want to. Is this the first instance of an accidental ranger? Uh, Maybe. I, I think yeah, because so. he just, he just kind of like accidentally finds an invisible portal and then he finds the white dino gem was like, oh, what's this? And then it just kind of, you and know, he accidentally finds the slap bracelet that turns him into uh, uh, the white dino thunder ranger. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think so, actually. Now that I think about now it. That I'm th- like, now that I'm kind of thinking about it too, based on what I've watched of the Disney era so far, I think so. Yeah, all the rest of them were either chosen or they found it. Well, Ooh. I guess, well, could you could you deem Justin as an accidental ranger? He was um, still chosen. Yeah, he was chosen. Like I, I guess it was it was a poor it was a poor choice and a bad decision. Mm-hmm. But it was, a, it was well, it was a we're not going there. It was a product <laughs> of maybe it was a, a, a situational choosing. Like it was a product of a, just a of right place, right <laughs> Rocky's time. He's just like you're here, have it. <laughs> well, con- I mean, kinda. Kind of that's how it worked out. It was like, it was right place, right time. So you could essentially, you could argue that that would be accidental. I feel like it was on purpose. Like he purposely chose him though. It just happened to be there. Like, like, Oh, you're here. Okay. Whatever. It was convenient. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was convenient. Uh, it was a convenient, convenient child endangerment. Oh God. Here we go with the <laughs> child endangerment again. Uh. <laughs> I well, I listened to your latest episode of Hinch and Mincer. <laughs> Power Kenny. Uh, Power Kenny. Kenny. Yes, Power Kenny. Anyway, so maybe, which is uh, which also adds an, uh, you know, a, a different layer to this. And then Trent gets put into very difficult position because spoiler warning, people, his father is the bad guy. which I called basically as soon as Mr. Mercer showed up. I'm like, you're the bad guy, aren't you? Well, actually kind of in episode one, because there was all this Tommy, what used to be friends with Mr. Mercer. I'm like, Mr. Mercer's going to be Mezagog, isn't he? Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I'm too genre savvy. I pick up on these things, but it, that just because I picked up on it doesn't mean it wasn't good. It actually was very good. No, it, it actually ended up like, being. It, it yeah. actually ended up being very good, and we'll get yeah. to villain. We'll and get to villains in a minute, like, but but yeah, Mr. but it wasn't until like 15 or so episodes in that they reveal it to the audience, mm-hmm. and then Trent figures it out, and then he's put in a weird position where he's like, "I should tell my team, but he's my dad." What do I do? Yeah, there's that interesting conflict there within him because he obviously cares for his dad. He obviously cares for his father and he doesn't want harm to come to his father. But he but he has to. But he does realize he does recognize yeah. that the fact that they are but Mezagog and him are one in the same. Mm-hmm. That does that will cause problems for mm-hmm. not just him, but the rest of the probably mm-hmm. the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And what makes it work is he went through what his dad did as the White Ranger. Mm hmm. So there's yeah. a there's there's a level of empathy there. Their their there stories is. parallel each other very well. They do, and you know, so he's probably thinking to stuff. I know what it's like, and that's actually again, this is you know, a pile of small things. That's actually one of the things I kind of wish they had leaned into a little bit more. I wish Tommy could have taken tr- done more with this. They did some, but I wish they had done more with this, where Tommy took Trent aside and he said, "Hey, I know you feel bad, but guess what." That's my story too. Yeah. I went through what this, you did. This would have been, that would have been such a perfect opportunity for, for Dr. Oliver and like to become Trent's like one-on-one mentor and, and guide him through like the changes, like the mental and physical and emotional changes that he's going to have to go through to fight through this thing, to fight through being possessed mm-hmm. by these powers. Yes. Yeah, I kind of wish they had done that. Now, the something that, and you brought this up, actually, Michael, and it's almost like these people somehow heard you back in time about this. (laughs) Remember how you said that you thought that it was too easy that the rest of the Rangers just accepted Tommy at the end of Green with Evil? Yes. And this, they don't immediately accept Trent. All three Oh, actually, all of them are, especially the kids, are very reluctant to bring him on <laughs> after <laughs> they finally break him free of the corruptive name. Well, no, they don't do it. His dad does by accident, but still yeah. <laughs> breaks him free of the corruptive influence. Mm. And, you know, it, it's Tommy himself, which is really interesting. It's Tommy that says, no, guys, we have to give him a chance. Mm hmm. Yeah, and Tommy says something along the lines of, "Oh, I wouldn't be here if my friends weren't there for me." Exactly. So call. So it's another callback to the leg to the legacy of Tommy, to the legacy Mm -hmm. that he's that he's kind of worked on. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you know, with like, there's a lot of like wisdom, and we we just talked about uh, Tommy and his character, but there's a going back to there just for a second. There's a lot of wisdom to this version of Tommy that it it does like kind of little winks and nods to the past without being like blatantly beat you over the head. Obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, like I said, I wish they had leaned into it a little bit more. I would have loved to have seen a scene where Tommy just goes over and he sits right there next to Trent and he's just like, Hey, I know what it's like. Let me tell you my story. You know, that would have been amazing. <laughs> and then that would have been an appropriate flashback episode. Yeah. Or at least just a little flat, like just show clips, you know, little right. flashback clips where it can be like, yeah. yeah, let me tell you something. Yeah. 
me tell you about a space witch. Just- <laughs> Let me tell you a story about a space witch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But as it stands, I, w- I was pretty impressed with him. I, I like that he's an artist. He's a com- he's a comic book artist, which made me even happier. <laughs> yeah, which comes into play later in a really yeah. interesting episode. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite it. episode, but it was an interesting episode. Uh, again, interesting. I, again, an interesting episode that I didn't think went quite far enough, but mm. we'll talk about that. But then well, it also plays, I also think it. this might have been one of the... Disney filmmakers attempts to adapt the Sentai, but yeah. his weapon as the white Ranger is a quill. Yes. Mm. He, he'll, he'll draw with it and make and like make arrows. And uh, it's also a, a sword and a gun because why not? <laughs> it's well, it's a, it's a dagger. It's a dagger, a sword, a quill, and a, and a gun. gun. And a gun. <laughs> Might is, be the most versatile weapon in Ranger history up to this point. Where can I find this replica weapon? I need it immediately. I was just. I, 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 yeah, I, I subtly, after watching this, I'm like, I'm going to have to find all of these lightning collection figures, aren't I? Yes. Yes, you will, sir. Yes, <laughs> Apparently, Akira's finally coming out, so you can get the entire team. Well, no, because Tommy's not out yet. So I was going to say you can get the whole team. No, you can't I get the whole team. I have blue and I have red. So. Yeah. Yeah, so they're out there. But now, since we've come to this point, what did you guys think of the costumes this season? We have to talk about the costumes. Honestly, I don't know how. Ki- I'm just going to keep mine pretty short because uh, I don't really have a lot to say here because I want to make sure that Kim gets her time in. But um, I love them, to be quite honest. I thought these were, I thought these, and we talked, like I said at the beginning of this show, like this being the spiritual successor to Mighty Morphin, like there are visual design cues that I think obviously were taken from Zhu Ranger and, and, and AKA mighty Morphin that just were refined. Like there, these suits feel like a refinement of what we got with that first season. Like the red, the red Ranger is the Tyrannosaurus. It's obviously the Tyrannosaurus. Each suit has diamonds. Oh, Ethan's a triceratops, just like Billy, just like Billy. Ethan is a triceratops. The only difference is Kira. She's a par- She's a pteranodon and she's yellow. They didn't do uh, the saber tooth tiger this time, but um, she's like Kim and that she has the pterodactyl and she's yes. the girl. Yeah. And she's the, yeah. So that's like a little bit of a callback as well. And if you look at the designs of these suits, they have, and whereas the original Zhu Ranger suits had the diamonds on the chest and some on the boots, these have diamonds running up and down their legs and arms oh, with for their one, power up for, for their power up. Yeah. For their Good um, Lord, this show and its power up, this show with its, so well, this show with its, with its power ups and its and its toys and its uh, and its gear, um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, they don't have as big a uh, Zord arsenal as Wild Force, but good grief, they make up for it with all of the of gear the and the vehicles. They get a new vehicle in the finale. Yeah, yeah. They get a semi truck because somebody saw Knight Rider and thought, "Hey, you know what Power Rangers needs?" Uh, oh, and we also saw the the Transformers toys that put branding for all the characters. Uh, I've got that Optimus Prime truck that literally has his name on the trailer. So you're like, you know what? Let's give them a super high tech semi truck where they can hide all their gear and things, and we're gonna put Power Rangers all over the thing. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. But, oh my gosh. But show. overall, I like these suits. I even like I like the white uh Drago Ranger. Is it white? It's just white ranger. They just uh, yeah, it's just white ranger. It, just white ranger. I like the yeah. white ranger suit. And yeah, the, their their visors are supposed to be dinosaur maws, which 
when they power up, that they actually kind of open up and like little bits of CGI, which and is roar, a little weird, which is, which is really kind of cool. I thought that was, I thought it was cool. I thought but, it was cool too. Yeah. Like this really is the, like between the suits and everything, this really is the, the spiritual yeah. successor to, yeah. uh, to, to mighty Morphin. So what about Kim, the, uh, the big old spiky power up. Cause that's what the, the super white things do. The super, super dino mode, dino, which super apparently dino they mode. have to, which apparently they have to get into by, <laughs> getting angry are they the incredible hulk now He's like, you know, they tell all the monsters don't make me angry i just won't rem- like me when i'm angry <laughs> i just remembered this kim did you end up keeping that bandai figure that i sent to you for the uh for no the- i think i think i gave it away did you give it away dag on it i wish you would have kept that i'm sorry uh, you can get me another one if you want for as a way i find the another one i will send what, you what bandai figure this was the it was the uh, abba ranger red in in super dino mode uh um but yeah i just i just happened to remember that especially with you on the stream i was like did she keep that i've always wondered but now i just remembered yeah, yeah. um I if, thought you super- wanna, if you want to get me another one for my wedding you know <laughs> I'm open to it. okay <laughs> i will send you a bandai figure for your wedding that sounds like an appropriate wedding gift Thank it's you. At, it's atypical. I will say that. Um, it's better than a gravy boat. I bet. She's going to have a whole fleet of those things. But I like the power ups in this. My favorite power up, which I was a little bit disappointed that they kind of added on to it later, but was uh, Triassic mode. Okay. I have opinions about Triassic mode. Oh, That's another one of the pile of small things. But that we'll, thing is we'll stupid OP. It is it's very stupid, stupid yeah. OP. The thing makes a pocket dimension so he can kill the monster. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Just like every it's other good the, power It's just up. the, oh. it's called I win mode. That's what <laughs> it's one. That's it's what one it shot is. mode. Yeah. It's, it's, it's essentially one shot mode. Yeah. It's, yeah. Basically. But here's the thing. The first couple episodes when he had it, I'm like, okay. I could go with it because of this, which is in order to do it, he has to get powered up by Ethan and Kira. And when that happens, they demorph. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's a good way to limit this thing. It's a sacrifice play. Mm-hmm. This is a desperation move. We're going to reduce ourselves to one ranger, but he's going to be crazy OP. Yeah. Fine. But then they fix it and it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it takes ah! that, that was extremely interesting to me because yeah. like, it, it takes the powers of three of three rangers, hence Triassic mode. Yeah, uh, it's also a reference to the Triassic, dinosaur age. Yeah, the Triassic, the Triassic era, yeah. the Triassic yeah. period. Yeah, but Triassic mode because you know it takes three rangers to power this thing because it's incredibly OP. Um, that was really interesting. I was a, I, I'm with you, Nate. It really disappointed me when they just kind of fixed yeah, it because here's the thing when you're, you're talking to somebody who is research and writes speculative fiction stories so fantasy and science and sci-fi you really need to come up with rules and if you're going to come up with say a magic system you got to put rules in for the magic system and that usually involves putting in limiters mm-hmm. so the idea of sacrificing two magic users we'll say transferring their power so that you can make one really po- good, really powerful one makes sense. But nope, then they just fix it. So it's just like, why don't you just like go into it as soon as you start? It's that it's the Ultraman problem. You know, why doesn't Ultraman just use the Specium Ray as soon as he shows up? 
because that wouldn't be all that fun to watch. <laughs> it, yeah, it wouldn't be all that fun to watch. Plus, you know, he would be drained. And if something happened that that was his that was his one shot, you know, whatever. Yeah. But uh, I want to I want to ask Kim really quick. Kim, uh, what did you think of the the suit design for Dino Thunder? Well, you took my answer. So you said everything I was going to say. Well, just re- <laughs> just reiterate and make it more eloquent than I was able to. Uh. I don't know if I can make it more eloquent. It'll probably be less eloquent. Um, but yeah, basically repeating what you said. Um, I like the callbacks to the original Mighty Morphin designs. I like the um, the designs of the visors that were um, that were like dinosaur maws. They looked good. See, not not eloquent at all. <laughs> <laughs> they were good. The end. Moving on. As a, but as the design, no, as a design of the the fifth ranger in this case, uh, what did you think of the? What did you think of Trent's suit design? I like that it looked evil because he starts off evil, mm-hmm. and I, and the visor his was like red instead of black, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> so that that's a thing. Yeah. What, Nate, did, uh, what, did you notice that he had a dragon shield? Yep. I don't I yeah, he well, he did, didn't he? Yeah. I mean he flew the Drago Zord. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally not a reference to something. Anyway. <laughs> I was trying to think of and I told this to you the other night, Nate. I'm gonna have to probably look it up, but um the 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 name of his Sentai counterpart, which was incredibly like because it goes to the point of of um Kim you know, saying his appearance looks very, very evil because he's very spiky. He's just, he has a very aggressive, high contrast design. And in fact, I like the, I like the design of Trent's suit. I, I like it that it's extremely like black and white, high contrasty, you know, kind of thing. And, um, Nate, uh, wax poetic while I look up the name of his Sendai counterpart. <laughs> <laughs> wax poetic about what about Trent's suit <laughs> it is a very aggressive looking suit I'm not sure his visor is supposed to be a maw though if it is it's a mostly closed mouth but that's the only bit of red on that suit too which really makes it stand out I have to say uh, do we want to talk about their ca- their morphing catchphrase you know, morphing ca- power up huh yeah as morphing catchphrases go I've heard worse but, yeah, it's you know, not terrible. It's hard. It's hard to top its morphin time. Yeah, or, yeah. or smorphin time. Yeah, smorphin time. <laughs> as Kim pointed out in her video, <laughs> that that made me laugh so much when I actually saw that in context. Smorphin time. <laughs> anyway. I'm hilarious. Yes. Yes. Quite. Yes. Yes. Quite. And the really interesting thing about uh, this suit design and why it looks so aggressive is in the Sentai, its name is literally called Abba Killer. Uh, so, you know, he is he does look a little bit more aggressive than what we would typically uh, see with a ranger suit. Um, you know, he definitely looks more evil than than good, which I guess I guess Abba compl- Killer. Abba Killer. There we go. Thank you. Um I, I guess that plays into more of like the anti-hero, would you say, Nate? Uh, aspect? Uh, no, he's not really. He's a <laughs> villain when he starts. Mm-hmm. Then he becomes a hero. He's not really. They called him an anti-hero, but that I don't think he really qualifies. No, I, I, don't, I don't think that's an anti-hero. Although they did have that weird episode that, again, I kind of wish they leaned into that a little bit more, where they kind of did the personality swap thing, mm-hmm. but... 
what they did was they found a meteorite and the meteorite is supposed to bring out quote unquote latent personality traits. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, you find out that Connor likes to, uh, at points likes to study and, and Ethan likes to work out and Kira likes being fashionable and a little bit more feminine. And, you know, and, and apparently it, if, when it affected Trent, it made him more like his actual self while he was still evil. Cause that's one of the things that's a little bit confusing. Cause then we have a, we have a white ranger clone and some, and he can control the, the Zords too. And I'm just like, hold on. It gets real. Yeah. It gets really a little convoluted after a while. It it gets really, really, it gets really, really confusing after a while. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What? Yeah. We'll talk about him because I have, I think I have him in the notes for, yes, we'll talk about him a little bit in the villain section, Mm -hmm. but yeah. So So now we have to talk about our supporting cast and the first person we get to talk about is Haley Zichter, which is the, uh, Ismay Johnston, which is the co-mentor and our technology specialist for the Rangers. As weird as it sounds, she's alpha. She's alpha. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she is. She's the hand. She's, I won't say hands and feet because, you know, Tommy can take care of business. Tommy. That sounds like a euphemism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he took care of business, all right. That, oh yeah, oh he sure did. And and Elsa wanted him to take care of her business um, again. Another thread that gets brought up and dropped. <laughs> but I like Haley. I, I liked Haley a lot, and I actually she liked- was. A, I think she, what made her good was that she was a good uh, kind of motherly. Mm-hmm. feminine yeah. influence yeah where because she was the one who she was a little bit you know she was a little bit more compassionate she was looking out for him she's like here let me make bigger guns for you mm. <laughs> let me give you more toys don't we wish we all had moms who are like have more toys anyway right. <laughs> and she Haley also runs um the series equivalent of the juice bar yeah yes yeah. the Haley cyberspace so it's kind of like you know how we found out that there was an early idea in Mighty Morphin where Ernie would have been Zordon in disguise. That's kind mm-hmm. of what this is it, to a certain extent, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. It yeah. Like that. And again, that's another one of those things that helps to really make this feel like the first quote unquote modern Power Rangers because they hang out at a cyber cafe. Mm-hmm. And this is back at a time when cyber cafes were a new thing. <laughs> yeah. This was a very like trendy thing at the time. Like Ooh, you very you, trendy. And I love it that it's cyberspace because there's computers mm-hmm. there and it's, and it's, you know, it's an area people can hang out and it's a play on words. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. Makes me very, very happy. So I'm, she, I, she gets to, so she gets to actually hang out with them a little bit more in their civilian lives, which is good. And the way she's introduced is interesting because mm-hmm. you, they don't make it, they don't make it incredibly obvious that she will later become the mentor. We just assume that she's going to be kind of the Ernie character. She's going to be kind of the motherly, I guess, civilian civilian mentor to our Rangers without actually interacting with them in their Ranger forms. But when, um, when Tommy becomes fossilized, that's when in Amber in Amber, which is ref- Jurassic park reference. um, she, she steps up to say uh to es- essentially as a um as a stopgap for like a, as a dooms not doomsday switch that's not right as sort of there was sort of a trigger in place for her to step in if something will happen to dr oliver mhm 
Yeah. Which she did. And then she's our techie mm-hmm. and, you know, runs the, you know, keeps an eye on them in their civilian lives, intervenes at certain points when she has to. Mm-hmm. She's pretty cool overall, I have to say. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'd character. like to know where the heck she's getting all the resources to make all the toys. Now I'm just thinking of the of Batman '89. Where does he get all those toys? I think it's listed in the protagonist clause that um, all the main characters have everything they need at all times. Yeah, aka Toys R Us. There you go. Mm-hmm. Because Toys R Us was still a thing at this time. Indeed. Yes, that's where all the kids bought the toys that they saw in the show. Yes. Yep. Some of them were actually exclusive to the toy line and weren't in the show. Yes. Uh, uh, but yeah, I don't know what else to say about Haley other than she's really cool. And I like you know, her. Yeah. I she's like her kind character. of like, I, she's the alpha and yeah, kind of, or maybe even a Q from James Bond. Cause she has all mm, the toys. Yeah. She's more of a Q character than, than mm-hmm. alpha, I think, but she fills the alpha role. She, yeah, she fills the alpha role, but she doesn't have like the working database of knowledge that alpha had because in the original Mighty Morphin, yeah, except that she knew everything about them and they're like, oh, it's because she reads the internet. <laughs> right. It, it's it, the internet is that's all you need. Yes. Uh, and I love <laughs> yes, it. Just, quite. Yes, quite. It just <laughs> as a sidebar. I love that the internet is treated more as a commodity in this. Than this mysterious, we must go on the world wide web to find this answer. And it's like treated as this like very epic thing. It's like, oh, let's just go on. Let's just Google it. Well, at this point, this was when the internet was really solidifying itself. It's just a ubiquitous thing as opposed Mm. to this mysterious place where you can find out things Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. spend three hours downloading one photograph. Ah, uh, those were the days. <laughs> or your hard drive can be corrupted by trying to download uh, the remix of your favorite song that actually probably didn't have a remix at the time. It just was labeled that. <laughs> <laughs> before the dark times. Before, before the, iTunes. Bef- no, yeah, this is before <laughs> iTunes and Spotify. So, yeah, this is. Yeah. 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 All right. Now we got to talk about someone who's even more important and it kind of dovetail. I don't know. Should I move him to the villain section? Even though they're technically two separate characters, <sighs> technically two. Se- well, I tell you, we won't spend a lot. We won't spend a lot of time here. We'll talk more about him when we get to the villains, but, yeah. Ant- but Ant- you're talking about Anton, Anton Mercer. Mercer played by Latham Gaines. Yeah. So Kim, I want you to start here. Where do you, what did you think? What was your initial first impression as Anton Mercer? Um, my first initial pre- impression of Anton Mercer is he was one, the typical rich dad who doesn't really care about what his kid wants. He just wants to force his kid to carry on his legacy, which we'll get into later. But uh, yeah, but he gets better later. Actually, he like mm-hmm. um, grows as a character. So mm-hmm. which I actually liked. Mm-hmm. I actually found him, even though he's really similar to Mr. Collins from Time Force, I found him to be a bit more despicable. <laughs> He seemed a lot pushier to me compared to Mr. Collins. Not so much, not maybe not so much pushier, just a little bit more slimy, not Mm. really being, not trying to be punny there because he's a, he turns into a reptile, but he, um, he he seemed a little bit scummier. Whereas Mm -hmm. Mr. Collins was just like very, he was like a very authoritative figure, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. 
uh, Anton Mercer is a little bit more on the scummier side, yeah. like the sneakier, like sneaky snake kind of side. Yeah. But then we find out that, that uh, he's Mesagog and it's a Jekyll and Hyde situation. In fact, the origins pretty similar to the Jekyll and Hyde story where he was self experimenting and basically brought a new personality to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And now they constantly switch and they both really hate each other. They want the yes. other one gone because yes. Mesogod thinks Mercer is a weakness and mm. Mercer is burdened by the fact that Mesogog even exists. First off, he feels guilty for basically creating him mm. in one form or another. And then, you know, all the terrible things that Mesogog is doing. So mm. it, I love it because again, the literary nerd in me found that fascinating. So it's, it's it's not and again it's it's a variation on a theme it's not it's not like astronoma where you know she was a good person raised to be evil this is a case of it's truly duality mm-hmm. right here and the the, the a duality is a one of the it, you know is a great way to create conflict for your mm-hmm. character both external and internal and you know because the fact that he is mesagog makes puts Trent in a awkward position and and you know then you have to to a certain extent kind of like with astronomer i think the audience is like i i want to root against mesagog but am i kind of rooting against poor mercer Merce, and mercer was kind of a slime ball at the beginning but now i feel sorry for him you know yeah you you begin to realize that the, the you begin to realize that he's not necessarily the one in total control over no. his own. Over and his maybe own that initial sliminess was because of that Mesagog influence. Maybe we definitely find out that Mesagog was being held back <laughs> by Mercer. <laughs> yeah, there's some level of yeah, you know, there is some level of strength to Anton Mercer because he is able to keep the beast at bay. Um with with Mesagog, but it becomes incredibly difficult to and, and almost impossible to do towards the end because uh, be, because Mesagog's power is slowly increasing. The more the more Mesagog and Mercer become more intertwined, the it seems as though the more powerful the, his Mesagog side becomes. Yeah. Now let's move on to our bulk and skull. <laughs> <laughs> that's seriously that's what they are they're bulk and skull they are yeah they are they are <laughs> but they're also very much their own characters <laughs> very much they're and not I've, bulk and skull and skirts they're their own character well are. okay one of them's a guy seriously sorry but yeah <laughs> they're not yeah. clones of bulk and skull so cassidy and devon cassidy cornell played by katrina divine which is an app name i've looked at pictures of her and she's very uh, she is divine <laughs> And Ke- and Devin Del Vale, Vale, Devin Devale, and De- Devin Deval- Del Vale, yeah, that yeah. close en- close enough. Yeah. So played by Tom Hearn. So I'm calling the bulk and skull is not too far off. They're not straight up bullies, but they do a lot of the same sort of things that you expect. Bull, you know that we remember bulk and skull doing, like trying to figure out who the Rangers are. Situational be- comedy. Situational comedy. Uh, one is they're both dorky, but one is much dorkier than the other. Yeah, a little bit of a yes man, but you know, Devin is a little bit of a yes man, but he isn't quite the yes man that Skull was. Yeah, 
Yeah. And uh, Cassidy is a very pushy, aspiring reporter. Yeah, she's a high. She works for the high school newspaper, and, and then somehow gets herself a job at a TV station. Well, Kira mm. got her that job. Yeah, Kira got her the job, mm. but yeah, still, that's pretty impressive. It is. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're she, they're a good comic relief. I enjoy. I enjoyed the two of them. I know some people thought Cassidy was insufferable, but little. she had she mean, has an arc as well. She, she does. does. She really she does. does. I'm impressed with the character development in Cassidy. She's actually one of my favorite characters. She has some of the best yeah. lines. Like I was I was I'm writing I was writing down like all of the lines that stuck out to me and a good chunk of them came from Cassidy. Like okay, um, can you tell us a few? <laughs> yeah. Like one of like she has like she can't read the room. It's so, so funny. Like uh, she'll she'll like go up to a monster, like just because you're a horrible mutant monster doesn't get you doesn't mean you get to be rude. And then, <laughs> <laughs> or she tries to interview the monster while it's fighting the power. Yeah, no, it, it, when, if you fall, do you fall towards the camera? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Devin is her cameraman. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very entertaining, but I didn't really find her annoying. I know I understand why other people find her own, but I think that was kind of the point. And remember how I said that Kira is more the tomboyish Yellow Ranger. Here's her foil. Mm. I mean, maybe, maybe if they had wanted to be try to be nuts to try to have a barre pink in this, I could see Cassidy trying to be a barre pink. Mm. Yeah, maybe because yeah. she's. She's closer to what we would think of uh, for a pink ranger. Right. But I think she works. I think she works just as good, if not better, as just a civilian foil for for Kat, mm-hmm. for Kira. Mm-hmm. And she's she acts like she's very career driven. One of the funnier episodes, again, another one of those modern things finding its way into the show, into the franchise for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> the B plot in one episode is Ethan decides to try online dating. Uh huh. Yeah. And then we find, and then to my surprise, we find out that Connor is decent at ballroom dancing. In fact, he knows how to follow in a tango. I'm like, what? I That's feel impressive. Like, were, I was going to say, were you impressed by that, Nate? I was like, he knows how to follow in tango? That's impressive. I was a little miffed that when Ethan tries to do a tango, with Cassidy that they get interrupted by the monster of the week. I was very upset with the monster of the weeks. Like, how dare you interrupt the tango? Good sir. Rude. Ethan, kill him. <laughs> if it was me, it would be like, you interrupted my tango punk. <laughs> but, they, but, they, but Cassidy, both Cassidy and Devin have very good. They have some really good focus episodes. Uh, the online dating one with Cassidy meeting turn. Mm-hmm. It turns out that uh, yeah. she's meeting up with Ethan uh, and she, yep. they, she matched with Ethan. I thought that yep. was hilarious. I could have, yeah. I, I projected or I not projected, but I called it. I knew that's what was going to happen without actually remembering it. Yeah. But I, I could, I could kind of read that yeah. was go- what and was going to happen. Kind and it's, of, it's they kind of followed through with that for a couple of episodes. Yeah. And I honestly, I was like, we actually get, they actually going to, you know, become a thing and then they didn't because Ethan realized like yeah she's not really for not really my type and I'm like mm. probably a good idea but then he gets the super nerdy girlfriend standing in line to see not Star Wars <laughs> right yeah <laughs> I'm like better choice <laughs> but yeah. we, you know, we, we strongly but then, but, support we strongly support the nerdy women yes 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 Amen. quite 
Amen. <laughs> yes, quite. <laughs> the listeners are totally confused right now. <laughs> For those playing the home game, take a shot every time we say yes, quite. Yeah, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> our, some of our friends that we've met online, uh, like Silverback and some others on Twitter, they would be dead right now. <laughs> <laughs> they would be dead. So I apologize. In dead, adv- I, I, I apologize in advance to all of our friends on Twitter for every time we say yes, quite. Yeah. <laughs> Stop making them take shots. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So, and, but she's, but then the funny thing is, is that ends up falling through mm-hmm. because Devin didn't want to be the guy who broke up. He was like, I don't want to do it, man. I don't want to. And then she's like, I need to be more focused on my career. So we, we can't, we can only be friends, you know, that sort of thing. And Evans and then Ethan is like, yes, I don't have to worry about it. But then we find out predictably Devin likes her, but she's too dorky to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And poor. And then what was so funny is he's about to tell her in one of the last episodes. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you know what? Cause he's going to ask her to prom. And she's mm-hmm. you know, he's like, Hey, what about prom? And he's like, no, we can't do anything until we figure out who the Power Rangers are, because if we don't find out who the Power Rangers are in a week, we won't have jobs. And, and he's like, oh, but then he goes off and he figures it out on his own. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking, like, you're just doing that because you really want to go to prom with her, don't you, Devin? Look, look young, <laughs> young high school love is a very good motivator. Oh, I, I am not opposed to that. I was impressed with Devin. For doing that. Devin is adorable. Yeah. And then, then what ends up happening? We have, then Cassidy has her big moment. She knows who the Power Rangers are. Yeah. And she gives the tape back and says, you know what? Being friends with you guys is more important than me getting a big break. Well, well, this, it, it's so weird because it happens twice in this season. It does. Like two people find out who the Power Rangers are. First, the first time it's with uh, the artist finding out that Trent is a Power Ranger. Comic book artist, yeah. The comic book, yeah, the comic book artist finding out that Trent is a Power Ranger and decides to keep that secret. And then, um, and then Cassidy finds out who the Power Rangers are and decides to keep that secret. So it's, mm-hmm. it's just really interesting that there was like two instances uh, of that in this um, in this season. Mm-hmm. And Devin, like Skull, has a secret talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Devin's case, he's really good at video games. Remember yes. how we were? Remember how we were saying that Ethan lost to yep. an unexpected person? Mm-hmm. Yep. It was Devin. Yep. yep. <laughs> that was a very that was a hum that that was a humbling experience for Nate or not Nate. I'm so sorry. That I was, was nearly a, named Ethan, so I understand. Okay, <laughs> that was a very humbling experience for Ethan, but kind of a I don't know, like maybe a confidence builder for for Devin. Like mm-hmm. it was like that confidence boost that Devin needed from that point on. <laughs> so why is he adorable, Kim? <laughs> just his, his mannerisms, his personality. It's just like, he's adorkable. Adorkable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> adorkable. I feel like a lot of us can be considered adorkable. Yeah, I guess. Except yeah, for call Nate. me a dork at your own peril. Except, <laughs> except for Nate. Nate's Nate's not adorkable, but I'm adorkable. Uh, if you say I'm so. the, because I'm the hot one. <laughs> if you say so. Uh, tell that to one of our listeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least my cartoon avatar is the hot one. Anyway, uh, moving on. 
I don't know. I think my biceps are bigger. I'm just saying. We're not going to have a pissing contest on whose artwork is buffer. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about our villains now. We got to start with the boss. We got to start with Mezagog. Can I just say, I love the way Mezagog talks. <laughs> Look, I will say, like, the, the fact that this, this it's the same actor playing, the, t- playing two different characters, and they are very distinct in them. Uh, they're very, like, distinct characters is impressive. I thought the voice acting for Mezagog was wonderful. It was incredibly creepy and appropriate for what... Um, uh, like a, a reptilian villain would probably sound like. He drags out the last words of his sentences, and I find it amusing. And he's also a little raspy and breathy. Was <laughs> 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 actually. I was like I, it because it's not your traditional Power Ranger villain voice. <laughs> was I the only one every time he spoke looking for the human teeth under that mask? Uh, I, I was trying. I was actually just staring at the whole mask of like, that thing is a feat of tokusatsu. Yeah, that is, it was a really impressive mask. I was like it, that thing. The jaw is moving really well. You can see the human actor's tongue, mm-hmm. but it's but it fits with the rest of the thing. It doesn't seem out of place mm. so they figured out, i don't know how they in the the mask is very expressive the eyes work i'm just like the whole thing that whole apparatus is just incredible mm, I, it, sure. it's one of the best looking prosthetics i think i've seen in power rangers so far i can yeah i can agree with that because there are so many of these especially like some of these later villains who are taken from the Sentai that their facial, their faces and things are not super expressive and their mouths barely move. If at all, um, for yeah. instance, I think, uh, I'm using, I'm thinking of, um, Diabolico, for example, his mouth barely, mo- barely moved. That, fa- that suit was not all that expressive because it was huge and bulky. I really liked, I really, really liked Mezagog's design. I loved how expressive it was. It looked very, it felt and looked very reptilian and just sinister. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that's interesting about this season is other than one set of henchmen and Zeltrax, mm-hmm. these villains are all original. I'm pretty sure. Because Mezagog's not from. About Ranger. No, it's Zeltrax is. Zeltrax is, is not. Yeah. The Tyranodrones are not. No. Only the Triptoids and Zeltrax are from the Sentai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which should tell you something. Weirdly enough, some of the best villains of Power Rangers are the original ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, I would honestly, I would put I would put Mezagog on the same tier as Lord Zed. I think it's just as I think it's just as creepy. It's just as sinister, but in a kind of a different way, in a more methodical um, in a more methodical. Whereas um, whereas Zed was kind of just evil and big and bombastic for the sake of being evil. And just he, his appearance was very intimidating. Mezagog, his appearance is intimidating. But his mannerisms, the way he interacts with his henchmen is really sinister. And I like Mm -hmm. that. What I found interesting is that he gets pretty hands on in some early episodes Mm -hmm. and then he doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, we we get our. Yeah, he takes a little like uh, we we see Mezagog 
is there's like there's like two or three episodes in the like or maybe three or four episodes in the in the middle of the season there where we don't see Mezagog at all. It's all it's all like Elsa and uh, Zeltrax focused for mm-hmm. a good for a good bit in, in the middle there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then but what's interesting is like I said, I do feel like Mezagog until you get to those last couple of episodes. I think the, the Mercer influence is very potent because he is more calculating mm-hmm. until he loses Mercer. Then suddenly he's just traditional Power Ranger villain where he's just like bombastic and his voice is a little different. It's uh, it's got a little bit more of a lisp and then he literally turns into an ultra Kaiju. I called that uh mega Mezagog, although I think Connor had the better nickname, which was Messy Messy Mezagog. <laughs> do we want to deep? Do we want to deep dive into Mezagog's name, or do we want to save that for le- for the legacy? Uh, go, theme I right? say go for it because you pulled a full March hand with this. Oh well, yeah, so, I contributed a little you, bit, but yeah, you can you contributed some, and I was just kind of pulling up my notes here from last night. Like we were talking about, like because Mezagog has a really interesting is a really interesting name and it's the combination it's it's the combination of the mesozoic era which is the uh which is known as the age of reptiles uh during in prehistory and gog which is biblical it comes up yeah, in, in gog the book and of, magog magog and, and gog in, in in the book of revelation um so essentially like mesogog's whole um, motivation is to turn the clock back on the mm-hmm. earth to kind of as- to essentially ring in the the age of reptiles the the age mm-hmm. of uh, of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. I get the impression that what happened was Mercer was messing around with basically dinosaur DNA and mm-hmm. it and par- it brought it basically created this personality that wanted to bring back mm-hmm. that age. So I, I guess the implication could be that. He was a sentient, a sentient saurian from back then, and now he wants to return the Earth to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and it's really interesting too because as I was kind of looking up uh, like the name, like the name Mesogog, because it just sounds it sounds so I don't know like it sounds like something you would find in the Greek, and it was. I found out that Meso M E S O in the Greek means middle or in between or intermediate or moderate, but middle or in between is what I kind of latched onto for it. So. As I was talking to you, I think it was last night, Nate, that, you know, the, the fact that Mesagog is this weird in between of human and reptile or, or man and beast. Mm-hmm. And he does, shifts between the two. And he shifts between the two. Uh, it it feels really, it's, it's really interesting that, um, uh, that they would name him Mesagog because what is it? Uh, what was it I found last night? We were talking about the the book of Revelation mm-hmm. where it mentions Gog, and it's like so in the book of Revelation. I just kind of pulled this from Google. It says uh, in the book of Revelation, uh, the names Gog and Magog are are applied to the evil forces that will join with Satan in the great struggle in the end times, and mm-hmm. so essentially Meg- Mesagog wants to bring an end to human existence to ring in the uh the age of reptiles th- fr- mm-hmm. from the mesozoic era yeah basically yeah congratulations i'm rubbing off it's like intelligence by osmosis <laughs> well I, it's all it's it's kind of like uh it, it's kind of like what happened with the meteorite it's always been there but it just <laughs> 
it just uh, kind of took a little bit of push to get me there. Um, so is my latent personality trait dude broishness? Is that what this is? <laughs> Possibly. Kim, but I, yeah, Kim, what's your latent personality traits that are being brought to the forth by the meteorite? That's a good question. Um, let's see. I'm usually pretty chill, right? So I yeah. guess, you know, um, I can get mad easily. Angry Kim? Uh, yes, yeah, angry, angry Kim. Kim. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hyperactive, hyperactive, Hyper work, hyperactive Hyper workaholic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's me because I'm, I'm also really lazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just found that to be really like when I was kind of thinking about the name Mesagog, yeah. it does have a very kind of like it does have a very like biblical Greek kind of sound yeah, to it. And, yeah. and I was like, it, it has to it, be something. Yeah. It, it's got. A l it sounds weirdly grand, I have mm. to say. It's still kind of playing on the kind of puntasticness that it goes into a little bit of these Power Ranger villain names. Astronoma is Andromeda and astronomy and uh, you know Lord Zed because he has a Z, mm. you know, uh, on his staff. And, you know, so I it's still, still like, kind of, it I still, still like our backs. I still like our backstory for why he's called Lord yes. Zed, but yeah. Yes. Uh, and, and uh, yes, quite take another yes. shot. I yes. <laughs> take another, shot. take another shot of hot sauce to reference our friends at the uh, entertain this. <laughs> that might kill them faster than the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on what hot sauce we're dealing with here. But anyway, uh, do we have more? I mean, the only other thing I'm going to bring up about is, like I said, he goes completely savage in the last couple episodes because Mercer's not there. Yeah. And then he just becomes a big, crazy monster. Mm -hmm. The final yeah. boss. And I was Which glad because for a hot minute, I'm like, are we really going to make Zeltrax the final boss in this show? Because that's going to annoy me. <laughs> Which, you know, I think the Disney brain brought this up that that was, that was, that was Mezagog's true form all along. Yeah. It just was probably Mercer restraining him yes. to the point where it, it, it didn't re he didn't reach his true form until he separated from Mercer. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's talk about his general. Well, he kind of has two. But I like what they did with this one because she was spying on the kids mm -hmm. in a position that I'm sure all of us growing up didn't necessarily like <laughs> uh, Elsa or Principal Randall played by Miriama. I hope I said I hope I said that right. Miriama Smith. Mm -hmm. So she is <laughs> Mezagog's general and she masquerades as the principal at the school, a very strict principal mm. with the almost big old the, hipster um, glasses and everything. She's almost like borderline masochist. Would you say almost? Yeah. Maybe if this was an adult show, she actually would do that. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> this was for like, grownups. Like the marquee, <laughs> like the marquee de Sade of power Rangers. I don't know. <laughs> She start. She uh, she whips students when they go to detention. <laughs> I don't know. She's. I don't. I wouldn't mind being whipped by her, but that's that's just me. You're <laughs> gone. So yeah, they, anyway. went, they went the uh, <laughs> way to transition, Kim. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they went the uh, Clark Kent Superman route with this one. But the, they even point that but out. I was like, they, yeah. did we not know she was Elsa. <laughs> well, no one knew that Clark Kent was Superman until he took off the glasses. glasses. Although the, the hair helps. Yeah, that, that is. Did true. you notice that she changed her hair halfway yeah. through this? Well, how yes. could you not? They even call it out. 
because uh, again, one of those little threads that gets brought up and dropped. She, they make it sound like she has a thing for Tommy. Yeah. And then they're like, Ooh, what'd you do? Change your hair because you want to impress Tommy. And she's like, no, <laughs> certainly maybe, not. Maybe, 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 but, no. <laughs> but she, you know, she does like when we first meet her, she's very like this bulldog, like very, I don't know, like very dogmatic, uh, form like yep. kind of. And a she bit. looks. She looks like a when she's Elsa. She looks like a goth kid. Yeah, she does. <laughs> Dressed in all black, black lipstick, yeah. black makeup. <laughs> I just find it really interesting in that final confrontation with Tommy that they just went full on with it. Like they they showed her essentially just demorph or change into Elsa right in front of everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. Like essentially just saying like all pretense in this all pretense at that point where it was over. Yes, but she did make the Rangers lives a little bit harder as the principal. A little. Yeah. And I think we did. can all identify with that. And I think her, um, I think her most interesting or meaning, I, guess, I don't know if meaningful is the right word, but her most interesting episode was when she actually handed the, the pen to the artist to draw the Rangers mm-hmm. in the comic book world. Mm hmm. I just thought that was a really, I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, uh, well, she kind of walks up and she kind of sort of flirts with him a little, a little bit. Yeah. Like, here, mm-hmm. I'm your biggest fan. Yeah. She, be- mm. she, she becomes increasingly more feminine as the, as the series goes on, but no less evil, but no less <laughs> evil, but she does come in, become increasingly more feminine, which maybe could play into why her chair changed a, slightly uh, towards. <laughs> well, the she goes from the, uh, from the cornrows to the ponytail. I guess, yeah. She becomes more of like an Amazon queen or something like that at that point. <laughs> well, at that point, she was basically filling in for Zeltrax because Zeltrax was gone. I noticed yeah. that. She did that when Zeltrax was gone. Yeah. Yeah. But then, what did you guys think of that that, la- that last minute revelation when we find out that she w- that she used to be human? That was just kind of, I felt like that was kind of shoehorned in. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. I mean, it was nice seeing Miss Smith without all the makeup and everything. Yeah, but I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought she. I seriously, I thought she was dead. I really thought. I thought Mezagog just decided to do what, what the what Queen Banshira did to the Mistress of Midriff mm-hmm. and just kill her. You know, toward the end of the show. Mm-hmm. No, he just took her power away, and she magically became human uh, i guess they just wanted a reason for zeltrax to come back and kidnap her plot convenience um, oh there I we go yes it was i mean if this had been foreshadowed a little bit more i think i would have been more okay with that again pile of small things yeah. <laughs> like you know, we are led to believe that at least I think so. Anyway, maybe I'm just reading too much into it, which is kind of the nature of this podcast, but I'm kind of believing that El- that both Elsa and we find out later cell tracks, uh, they were all colleagues together or working together. And then when, uh, um, when Mezagog took over for Anton Mercer, uh, they just kind of Mezagog possessed them too because he was they, he was in within close proximity of them as far as like yeah because we we need we should have mentioned Mezagog has mind powers yeah mm-hmm. he can give people the worst headaches they've ever had yes 
which is kind of interesting. He is a physically imposing opponent, but he prefers to use his mind powers. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're just led to believe that he mesmerized these people. At least Maybe. mesmerized Elsa to get mm-hmm. her to do things. Yeah. Passion to her. So I guess she's kind of a little bit of an astronomer to a certain extent. Mm. Maybe. Kind of. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. She was, Elsa was, I, I think she was pretty good in the show. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed seeing her. She could mm-hmm. definitely hold her own. She got very screamy later. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of screeching coming from her. <laughs> Once she, it's like she decided, well, Zaltrax is gone, so uh, I got to get a lot more intense. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's, you know, she's essentially just kind of fighting for her place at that point, too, mm-hmm. uh, because it was it was clear that Zeltrax was the favorite. He was the right hand guy of Mez- of Mezagog. And so Elsa felt like she needed to prove something because she is she's a little bit more sycophantic than uh than Zeltrax is because Zeltrax I feel like he was just kind of loyal to Mezagog out of convenience uh whereas I feel like Elsa is truly loyal to Mezagog for the mm-hmm. most part for the most part that's a good transition, unless you guys have more to say about Elsa, to talk about mm-hmm. Zeltrax. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Zeltrax. <sighs> okay. Zeltrax looks pretty cool. He looks very, he looks very much like a Sentai villain or even a common Rider villain, perhaps <laughs> even. But good grief, did I get a little tired of his shtick with Tommy? <laughs> let's, I, yeah, can we, can we just talk about that now, let's, for a let's second? Par- let's park here for, Kim, kick us off. Let's park here for a minute. Listen, all right, so from my understanding, Zeltrax is mad at Tommy because he, he, we saw in the flashback that he dropped a vial that caused an explosion, and then he got saved by Mezogog. Why, what, what did Tommy have to do with that exactly, first of all? And then it's just like, every time we see him, it's just like, take a shot every time Zeltrax says revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I must have my revenge, because this is how Zeltrax talks. <laughs> it's Just very, per- it's very bloviated villain voice. It, he sounds like this. I will have revenge. <laughs> I will have revenge the, on Tommy. Except you have to pitch it down and post. <laughs> Kim, would you like to play a game? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more like Kim. I must have my revenge on you. I can see. I can't do it for nearly as long. For the children. For the children. Yes, quite. <laughs> and another shot of hot sauce. <laughs> but yeah, but, um, back back to back to this. Um, I feel like Zeltrak's like motivations for revenge um, quite make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it seems a little bit I agree. It does seem a little bit superficial and shoehorned in. Yeah, it also just gets old. It really How does. many times can Tommy fight this guy? Tommy okay, even okay, this one is, time. This is the show showing its age. Because sensibilities are so different now with streaming. Because if I was watching this just one episode a week, every week, it would probably wouldn't be so bad, but when you're watching it all in pretty close succession, I'm just like, I am so sick of seeing these two characters fight and saying the same things 
Every over and I must over, have my revenge. Who over. the heck oh are goodness. you? I must have my revenge. Who in the frick are you? I it's just and I then, get I get what they're doing. I get what they're doing. They're trying to like be mysterious and you know covert about it. But again, and this is and I and I can't really necessarily blame this on the show because again, this was not meant to be binged. This is not a show that's meant to be binged. Yeah, it's not. It's meant to be watched in chunks or like once a week. Um, so I can't necessarily, I, I disagree with you, Nate. I can't necessarily fault it for that. No, I don't fault it. It's just that it's just one of those things when you're watching it all in a row, it, becomes, it gets it, really old. Yeah. It becomes blatantly obvious. I agree. Yeah. It, it becomes blatantly obvious, but I get what they were going for. They were going to like, they were trying to build the mystery and intrigue of, Oh, who is this guy? And then we find out it, it was his, and old, then we get, and then that's answered in 30 seconds in one episode. It was, it was and an old just colleague like, called eh? Smitty and just, yeah. Could you, uh, uh, show? Have you heard of foreshadowing? <laughs> I know you can do foreshadowing I mean, because was, you foreshadowed there was, there was like, other things. There was like, mm-hmm. a, like a teeny tiny bit of foreshadowing. Like, oh, here's a picture of an old colleague. Oh, you could just throw that in the garbage. Yeah. The, right. yeah. And the, after like 15 episodes of buildup with no explanation or possible, you know, anything to signal that, I'm yeah. like, what are you going to do? I was expecting something huge like, he was someone we used to know from Tommy's time as a ranger. That would have been kind of interesting. You know, yeah. he, he's a dead monster or something. Yeah. I just, <laughs> something. yeah, something, something. I, it, something. Yeah. But instead it's some guy we've never heard of. We've never seen before. He's we, the most we get of him is a photograph and mm-hmm. a little bit of a flashback and that's it. That's what you, that's the payoff for 15 minutes. Uh, you know, yeah, 15 minutes for I 15 mean, episodes of constantly fighting him. I mean, they, they hint at like, um, this like side thing that they never bring up again. Like, like, um, Smitty was up for a job for, for Mercer and then Tommy got it or something like, but they don't mention that again. Yeah. It's another one of those things that's, you know, yeah, small, small, small pile of small things like you yeah, said. A pile of small things. Yeah. yeah, and then he seemingly dies, but he doesn't die. How many times does this guy die? Like three uh, times. Yeah, at, at least, least three, three times. Least three and then times, he comes yeah. back for the finale with a power up because, of course, because <sighs> everybody gets power ups in this. Let's be honest. Everybody in the show gets power ups. In the weird, in the weird, in the weird mushroom dimension. You know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. The video game dimension, yeah, or something. Yeah. Which I, just, I, I sincerely thought for like I it it looks like something straight out of Sentai. So this is like kudos to kudos to Disney and the producers of this show for making it at least appear like it looks like Sentai to me. Yeah, and why you could reali- they, yeah, why could they send him to you know all of those like monster afterlife things that we keep seeing the power. there's like five of them at this point yeah you know, like the, the shadow realm the monster graveyard the there's others what's the one from lightspeed rescue the desert that the wor- shadow realm the shadow realm that's it or yeah. shadow world or something like that yeah is just there's multiple ones at this point <laughs> so is it whatever <laughs> 
do we want to move on to our white uh, ranger clone there's not a whole lot to say about him other than he's just a gimmicky way to keep to have mirror matches well <laughs> to it's use this they'll use the white ranger footage from the sentai and occasionally do mirror matches and and make a lot of confusion about who can control the zords yeah <laughs> it's 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 really yeah it's it's really it's really gimmicky and confusing and very he's just a drone they flat it, out say it he's just a no. drone he has it's, no soul it's very i think com- tommy even put it as you know he's he's real but he's not alive yeah it's really convoluted um and just really kind of it just it's just really weird and an and excuse to and i'm really interested to watch like abba ranger in its full and it's entirely it's, its entirety because it does feel like they just brought that character in just so they could use more evil right Ra- white ranger footage yeah really so but the only like the most compelling thing about and we don't have to park here for too long but the most compelling thing about the evil white ranger is the fact that I guess the morphing grid can't handle there being two white Rangers at one time. Yeah. Or at least two white dino Rangers. So it rebels against that and it starts hurting the both of them. Mm -hmm. So that, which becomes a motivator for one, for one of them to destroy the other. Yeah. So, which is kind of nice. And they do have a good fight scene, Mm -hmm. although Mm -hmm. they, they killed him once. I'm a little confused. Show. Because OP Connor took him to the video game dimension and looked like they very, that was a definitive end. He was very dead, but nope, he's not dead. I'm like, Mm. how did he survive that? He survived that so you could have Connor, not Connor, so you could have Trent do it because that's the appropriate way that you end this. Yeah. It is more appropriate for Trent to do it, but like, did you have to, that was Sentai footage and you just felt the need to use it. Didn't you? Yeah. I think maybe, I don't know. I don't, this is a battle or I don't know if that was Sentai footage or not, because we're at the point where you can't tell the difference anymore. You can tell, like you can tell sometimes, like sometimes it's blatantly obvious. And then for the most part though, I was having trouble. I don't know about Kim, but I was having trouble discerning what was Sentai footage and what was, uh, what was actual Disney footage. Yeah, I had a little bit of trouble with that. Yeah. 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 So, so, so that's our white Ranger clone. Let's talk. We yeah. can kind of zoom past these foot soldiers. So we'll yeah. talk about, we'll, we'll talk Tyranodrones. about the Tyranodrones, which are the are original to, to this particular season of Power Rangers. They are original to Dino Thunder. And mm. the way I have reconciled the existence of both the Tyranodrones and the Triptoids, because the Triptoids are the foot soldiers from Abba Ranger. But the, the way I can reconcile it is the Tyranodrones are the private security or private guard of Mezagog because, because Mezagog and, or I'm sorry, Mr. Mercer and uh, Dr. Oliver were colleagues at one point and they helped build the Tyranodrones. So the way I can reconcile it is the Tyranodrones are the private security or the private guard of Mezagog and the Triptoids are just the kind of uh, the catch all foot soldiers. They found them in the video game when they the did, the, did the enter the video game thing, which made me think of the storybook episode mm. of Mighty Morphin. Yeah. It, they even had the, what was it? Was it a, the Christmas uh, episode. They had a Christmas episode. No, no, episode. no, 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 no. The, who, what did they meet in there? Was, he wasn't a, was he a wizard? 
I think it was a wizard. Like it was like a very rude wizard. Yeah, it was a very rude. Yeah, and then they there were these weirdo characters in this fantasy game, and then they got dragged out, and then they just got recruited, I guess. So it's 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 a little odd, but yeah, there's nothing. Here's the thing. I'm kind of of two minds. I'm very mesagogue about this uh, with the Tyranno drones because on one hand they they're scary. Mm-hmm. They really are. They sound scary. They're like, they're very growly and, and, and they do look scary, but the problem is, is that they're entirely black. So nothing of their design and features really stands out. And there's moving around so much that you can't get a good look at. them. Yeah. They're not, there's not like a distinctive color palette to them outside of like black and little shades of green that I picked up. Yeah. They're not yeah. as this they're not as distinctive as say even the Stingwingers or like their well, the Stingwingers had a little more color. Yeah. The Stingwingers had like purple and, and green, green and things. And, and, yeah. Yeah. But I mean e- we've had other mostly monochrome villains before, but they still stood out a bit more. The putties were mostly gray, but they mm-hmm. still stood out. Uh, the Quantrons were were you know, bright I think it was, silver so they really stood out i think it was just simply because there's there's there was distinguishing features about yeah. those other about those other foot soldiers whereas with the tyranna drones they are just kind of drones they're just like there's really yeah. no real distinguishing yeah. features i, th- I think if them. you could just look at a tyranna drone without it moving mm-hmm. you'd be able to see more of the dev- of the design features but because you can't do that they really just kind of blend in yeah yeah that, that that's I was going to say, like, I don't I didn't really find anything, like, particularly interesting about the Tyranno drones. They were just kind of there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And the Triptoids kind of remind me of just an army of Dada's. <laughs> they do look like Dada, don't they? Yeah. It's They're like an so army weird. of Dada's. They're so <clears throat> weird. They don't feel on brand, but that's mostly because the villains in Rage are completely different. Yeah. Our main prote- our main antagonist in Abba Ranger is a, a a woman is a witch I think or yeah. something or, or a little girl. There's a little girl who kind of bosses them around. There's a little, there's a little girl around, too yeah. in Abba Ranger as well. Yeah, two of the monsters that are uh, kind of like their generals do appear, but not in but they they appear in the crossover episode with Ninja Storm, which has a wonderful title, mm-hmm. Thunderstorm. Yeah, nice job there, Dino Thunder. Good job. Good job, writers. I like that one. Also, I admit I'm a little partial to the title of the finale because it's Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck. <laughs> no. You've been Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck. <laughs> that was great. That was so, great. So that was, so that was, oh, our, by the way, was, there's a lot, there's actually, I found out there's a lot, a lot of the episode titles are callbacks to Mighty Morphin. A few of them. Yeah. I yeah, noticed that. Day of the well. Dino. Yep. Yeah. The, uh, the pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the triptoids are weird. Uh, they, they don't really feel on brand for Mesagog, but they're from the Sentai. So they had to figure out how to use it. Yeah. There's a lot of Zeltrax footage from the Sentai using the triptoids. So they had to find a way to use them. Yeah, basically. Yeah. All right. And now on to the toys. I mean, Zords. Oh, come on. They're the Zord. They're the toys. I'm the Zord toys. Zord toys. Zord toys. Toy Zords. Toy Zords. Toy Zord. Toy Zord. Toy Zord. Toy Zord. Toy Zord. Uh, yes, quite. Um, <laughs> another shot. 
so the Thundersaurus Megazord, made up of the Tyrannozord, the Tricerazord, and the Petrazord. Terazord. Terazord. Sorry. Yes, quite. Anyway. Yes, quite. <laughs> Another <laughs> shot. Because, <laughs> another shot. Because, uh, because they're, you know, because, the, and all the, the hero's weapons are themed around that. You know, it's Terra, was it Terra daggers or something? Terra, like that? Terra, Terra grips. No, Terra yeah. grips. Terra, Terra grips. Is it Terra grips? Yeah. Terra yeah. grips, Tyranno yeah. staff, and, and Tricera shield. Yeah. Tricera and shield, also, yeah. just like Zhu Ranger and Mighty Morphin, in Alba Ranger, the Zords are sentient. Yep. Hmm. But they are not? They are. It's a little called, weird in this one. I mean, they, they start. It's, it feels like they start off as sentient because they have to tame them before they mm. can use them, which is an aspect I really like, by the I way. I really like that as well. I did yes. really like that. I like that idea. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, taming the, the robot kaiju. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're called. Uh, they're not called. Biozords. They're called, bio, they're called biozords yeah. in this. So. Yeah. Which kind of alludes to them yeah. being sentient. Mm-hmm. And they they fit into the motifs. A lot of the motifs from Mighty Morphin and Shoe Ranger. I kind of I can't help. You guys think that maybe Toei intentionally made callbacks to Shoe Ranger with this, just because they knew that the Americans were going to make this into a Power Ranger show? Maybe because we did talk about how we did talk about how Toei started making sentai shows that were more easily adaptable for power rangers because they mm-hmm. were because they were getting that sweet sweet power rangers money yeah yeah well in this case they were getting that sweet sweet disney money sweet sweet yeah <laughs> that sweet sweet disney money them disney bucks man uh, disney, disney bucks money. baby disney bucks them disney, disney bucks baby yeah <laughs> Yes, quite. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so this Megazord, it the, me- the Zords this season remind me a lot of Wild Force because a little, yeah, with that toy gimmick. It's yeah. definitely a toy gimmick where they're, they're, very, the parts are, are interchangeable. Yeah, they're very mm-hmm. modular. Which some of like some of the I don't mind modularity in my Zords. It becomes a it becomes a thing uh, with the with these later seasons where it wasn't so much that way with the with the Saban era. Um, it was more like what you get is what you get with the Saban era and you get a few combinations and that's it. But with these, a lot of the Zords are interchangeable, especially some of these ancillary Zords like the Dino Stegazord and the Triceramax, uh, the Triceram or I'm sorry, the Cephalozord. That's, that's another Megazord. That's another Meg. You're right. That's another Megazord. I got that incorrect. Uh, no, no, the, uh, the Cephalozord, Dimetriozord, the... Parasaurzord, the Ankylozord, and the Brachiozord, which is totally not Titanus. (laughs) Totally not Titanus painted black. Yeah, totally not black Titanus. Uh, Yes, Brachiozord is massive, too. Good grief. Very. There's a point where they have the Megazord standing on top of of him, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how big is that thing? (laughs) <laughs> well, it's, um, it's a, yeah, it's a carrier's ord. It's, it has, it's supposed to be big. Yeah, I understand. But still, I mean, but the, the thing's, the thing is basically an aircraft carrier. It's Paramitus, except Paramitus was the, sh- was the closet where you kept all the toys. Oh, know? it's massive. It's, it's, in, it's, it's massive. And I like, I like the Brachiozord. In fact, I like a lot of these ancillary zords. I like the, the, the dimetri- boxing dinosaur. Yeah, I like yeah, that's, that's the cephalozord. I like yeah. the I like actually like the dimetrozord, the dimetriozord, whatever. Uh, and then with, you know, Mecha Angerus. 
Oh, I put that in my notes too. Like, Angle's Road is Mecca Angerous. <laughs> <laughs> and the, um, the Stego, the, the Stego Zord. It turns into a surf, uh, a surf into a surfboard. One of my favorites. Yeah, it turns into a surfboard. That's what the Dino Stegazord is the one where the. That's the white. That is that's the, white the one where the white ranger clone can sometimes summon it and control it. And they don't always point out the fact that he's hijacking them. Mm. I'm like, come on. Will you make up your mind? Okay. Maybe you should just say like, Hey, he hijacked them and now we can't use them. Yeah. You know, it, a pile of little things, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but the, our baseline Zord is pretty good. I, I'm glad that the 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 you know, having the head on the chest, which I oh, the big crocodile head on the chest sticking out on Wild Force just does not work for me. And they do the same thing kind of here, but it's smaller, so it's not as well. Weird. It looks better that Zord, the Predazord, is what you're talking about. That looks yeah. better with the when the crocodile yeah, head when is it's, facing when down. it's down. Yeah, but you know, so thankfully it doesn't get to that level of ridiculousness, but. Yeah, so it's a. Pr- I say it's a pretty solid baseline Megazord. Yeah, I, I have to say I, I like I, it. I miss Megazords with hands. It's a lot honest. of yeah. It's that's a little bit of a no- well. It does technically have hands though, because we did see it in one one or two scenes with the with either the Triceratosaurus or the uh, the Tyranno drill as it that it uses as it's essentially like sheathed like essentially it's like sword its final weapon Mm -hmm. we did see it once or twice without that and so it does possess hands it just doesn't use them all that often yeah and the dino stegosaur we talked about that that's the dragozord Totally not a callback to the dragon zord, but okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It looks like a pseudo pterodactyl, but okay. And, and then the we have, and then we have the most massive megazord we've seen so far. The Triceramax megazord, which is literally a triceratops pulling a chariot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mesodon megazord, or yeah, the the Mesodon megazord is incredible that that looked to be a i kind of feel bad for the suit actor because that looked like that almost looked impossible to maneuver like so yeah. impossible that i told you this yesterday that like the the Zord, this megazord essentially just stands there and it's like a fire show it's like a beam show just to finish off yeah. its opponents it's a heisei godzilla beam battle yeah it's a beam battle it's a light show yeah yeah yeah, I mean the uh, the Shogun Megazord in MMPR season three was kind of the same way. It could just barely swing a sword and kill the monster. Yeah. <laughs> it's all it so, did, just like. Eh, eh. So I ha- I have to ask him. <laughs> out of all of these Zords that we've talked about, what is your favorite? Aside from the aside from Mecha Angris. Well, okay. Well, if I can't mention Mecha Angris, then uh, let's see. I do like the Dino Stegazord because it kind of looks like Godzilla. Uh, I was going to bring Godzilla into everything. That's, that's how I do it. And of I, course. Of course. Yes, quite. <laughs> yes, quite. Um, I also like the Parasaur Zord because he has a scissor butt. Of course! <laughs> God. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the power of the soundboard. <laughs> the power of the scissor butt. Mm. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> well, she, you didn't hear what she said. She said, uh, I like the parasaur uh, because he has a scissor butt. Oh, yeah. the tail. <laughs> yeah. 
is a scissor butt. Which I wasn't that one of those moments where the Sentai kind of bled through because the weapons can talk to the kids because they're basically avatars of the Zords. And I th- think one talked to Kira once. So, mm. and it was the scissory one. That's why mm. I was thinking of it. Did that happen? I, I must have missed that part. Yeah, it, it was. I, it stood out to me. He's like, wait, hold on. It can talk. And that's the only time it's going to happen. Okay. I don't remember yes. it talking. Did that happen? Did I miss it? Hello? Maybe I'm Mandela affecting it. I don't know. I think you might be a little bit Mandela affecting it. Maybe. Anyway, shall we talk about the monsters? <laughs> yes, let's get to the monsters. Okay. All right. Monsters of the week. I had five standouts. I don't know about the rest of you. It was I, almost six, but I narrowed it down. I had about three or four. Um, and you and I are going to share a few of the same ones. So essentially we pretty much probably have the same list, I think. Um, so well, the first, I'm going to add an honorable mention because I kind of have to. So, so the first one, the first one I want to bring up is the terror source, which I think oh is, my an, gosh, that thing. I, which I mm. think is an, I think it was uh, not only was it a cool looking monster of the week, it was pretty, it, 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 I like to pick monsters that really make the Rangers work for it. And I really think the Pterosaurus made the Rangers work for it. The mm-hmm. white Pterosaurus. The white Pterosaurus. And there's two versions. There's Pterosaurus, there's white Pterosaurus one and white Pterosaurus two. Yeah. Which is a, uh, and which, the first one looks like Monster X from Final Wars. See, I'm not the only one. I know like uh, some of uh, there are, are, some of our listeners may not be familiar with Godzilla lore. But yes, go look up Monster X from Godzilla Final Wars and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. And then the the second one, the terrorist, white terrorist, that thing, that, th- that thing looks like an ultra kaiju. Little, I'm always yeah. amused to watch these Sentai or Kamen Rider, these Toei shows when they start, ve- when the monsters start veering into ultra kaiju design like you're funny guys well there was there was one you steal from each other all the time come on yeah there was there was like there was one in particular that looked incredibly close to an ultra kaiju it was uh scorch from uh i'm trying to think of what i'm trying to see what episode that was from uh strange relations it was Mm. like the red kind of bird beetle combination kind of creature um, so yeah, that one looks, that one does look like an ultra kaiju, but Kim, what, who was on your list for, for monsters of the week? Um, I, I only had, I only had time to pick two, but I, okay. I like fossil adore. Oh, I had fossil adore oh, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That thing is well. terrifying. Yeah. He's like, and it's got mind control powers and yeah, he's really cool. And I also liked the Roomba monkey from the, the dream episode. <laughs> okay. Okay. We need to talk about the, about Roomba monkey. Uh, Rumba monkey. Rumba uh, yeah. I think it's Rumba. Rumba. Uh, I, that was an interesting thing because I think they did that dream episode just to have excuses to use footage from three silly, ep- <laughs> three of the sillier episodes of ABBA Ranger that wouldn't normally work, but they're like, Hey, if we put, if we say that they're dreams, mm-hmm. then we can still, then we can, we don't have to worry about getting around the silliness. Like the, like the Croco de Vile. Yeah. <laughs> Who falls in love with <laughs> Kira. hilarious. Who falls in love with Kira. I love that the suit actor was, just was manually opening the mouth. <laughs> like it was a puppet. It was just so funny. <laughs> 
Oh, it was yeah, yeah. it was, it was yeah, wonderful. the Rumble Monkey. Yeah, and, and I had Rumble Monkey. Yeah, and that was one of the funnier ones in there too, because he he was playing drums all the time, and yeah, and and then uh, he sings the last word of his sentences. <laughs> yeah. Yes, not unlike someone else we know. <laughs> uh, I also had a Goldenrod. Who looks like the love child of Ultraman and Common Rider? You mean? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you mean the uh, the uh, the love child of Ultraman and Common Rider. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's the quote unquote son of Zeltrax. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, all the scenes where he's small are Disney footage. He's only in- ever big in Abba Ranger. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and he has some pretty good fight scenes in that episode, and. That, oh, yeah, we forgot the, the monster making in this one is they have what's called the Geno Randomizer, which just melds a bunch of random things because the monsters in Abba Ranger are really weird and surreal. Mm, very much, yeah. And that bleeds through for sure in this because some of these are just wacky. Mm. And then I had Terrasaurus. I had the Ruby Dragon, which is one of their last ones. Same it's a, it's a, It's a Magic the Gathering card brought to life. Yeah. <laughs> And it looks really crazy. It also looks a bit like an ultra kaiju. It's one of the less random looking ones. It just looks like a straight up nasty dragon. And I like that. And then we'll talk a little bit more about him in the awards, but I also had ka-ching. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also had, I also had ka-ching. Um, <laughs> and I also had the Ruby dragon because to me, it reminded me a lot of those, uh, creatures from avatar or the Rathalos from monster Hunter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I kind of, as an honorable mention, I just threw it in here to, cause we need an excuse to talk about the crossover and that's Lothor. Lothor continuing the tradition of bringing a villain from the previous season back to have a reason for the previous season's Rangers to show up. And team right. up with the current team. Right. So Lothor, who is literally Luchasatsu, <laughs> comes out of the abyss of evil, which is one of the most mighty morphin sounding things I've ever which, heard. Which apparently like the remnants of leave behind purple goo, which I swear it was not referenced in the Ranger wiki, but I am convinced that when one of those Rangers, when cam says to, uh, I can't remember who it was, but when cam says to the other Ranger, like who else do you know, leaves behind purple, purple ooze whenever they come out of something <laughs> <laughs> like, come on guys. Like, I know that's a reference to mighty morph in the movie and Ivan. Yeah. Ace. It has yeah. to be. Yeah. So he shows up with a bunch of his minions. One of whom was played by Miss Divine and they have this little sight jo- a sight gag where the two of them pass by each other and then secretly say that they both look amazing <laughs> and it's done <laughs> in a split screen which is really funny oh, that yeah. was nice that was funny yeah and so he kind of begrudgingly teams up with Mezagog what's funny is Mezagog referenced him in the first episode mm. and said he was an idiot <laughs> <laughs> They'll think that idiot Lothar has returned. <laughs> so they I make an alliance, but Lo- but Vesica's like, he's an idiot, which I almost wonder if that's kind of a commentary on the fact that Ninja Storm had much less serious villains. Right. <laughs> so Vesica's like, I'm a real villain. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, no, no. You, you gotta do it like more, more chill, like this. I am a real villain. You gotta drag out I'm sorry, listeners with attitude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then Lothor and Mesogog just uh, are like, "Well, yeah, the we Rangers did. beat us. <laughs> Screw you. Screw you." And then they fight. Yeah, we, yeah, we get our, we get a villain. It's versus, one of those rare villain on villain fights. Yeah, it was, and it actually was ended up being really fun. I thought. Yeah, yeah that, that was like a top contender for my uh, Power Range of Motion award. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that two parter had several. the The main plot is that the three core Rangers from Ninja Storm get mind controlled. Mm-hmm. By stuff that by th- by get, uh, you know things that look like they're morphers, but they're not, and so they end up you know. So it's a very Stanley thing to do, where the heroes have to fight each other when they meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and that was good lord that unmorphed fight that they had. Jeez, that was really good. It was. It was very good. Which was, I think it goes back into uh, what well, I was talking about earlier about you know they're being they're they're having a little they're having power ups when they're in their civilian forms actually pays off. It actually makes yeah a lot. It makes actually yeah because the the Ninja Storm Rangers have those have, have kind of have civilian powers too. Right, they do. And my only my kind of my problem with that is that even though the Wind Rangers are very much antagonists throughout the whole thing until the end, mm-hmm. you know, they have a morph fight and then a morph fight. It's just the core group. The other three basically just go on a their own related but very separate quest to go get their powers back. Mm-hmm. And it almost felt like a completely different episode. A little, yeah. Yeah, kind yeah. of. So, but then we get, you know, the big epic thing where we have 11 rangers and, you know, they morph and everything blows up and... <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome and it's awesome and i will say the big team up episode uh, the big team up at the end is pretty good it is oh, it was really pretty good. good so is it the best crossover episode in power rangers no no mm. it's hard to top to the 10th power and the power of pink it is that's the benchmark it doesn't get there but it's better than the t- crossovers that we had in lost galaxy lightspeed rescue and time force <laughs> I don't know if it's quite as good as reinforcements from the future, but although reinforcements from the future got brought down a little bit for me, so I don't know. Yeah, it's not top tier, but it's still pretty high tier, I would say. Anyway, now yes, we get to, no, yes, quite yeah, yes, quite <laughs> yes, uh, and now we get to the, one of the uh, the one of the trademarks of the power trip, our thematic discussion. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about this, Michael, and it, it, it's kind of the obvious theme, but sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer is the best answer. Yeah. We, yeah, we, and the best of, answer. we, we were talking about, cause this came up with a conversation when we were kind of ranking, not ranking, but we were talking about the first three seasons of the Disney era. And it was a little bit of a struggle to come up with what the themes of, Wild Force and Ninja Storm were, but this Wild one, Force was really hard. Wild Force was really hard, and so was Ninja Storm. Not so much, but like this one is so blatantly obvious that we thought it was so blatantly obvious that it had to be the right choice. And then when you think about all of the things leading, like that went on during this season, it 
it does, sometimes the obvious choice is the obvious choice. And the theme of Power Rangers Dino Thunder is legacy. Mm-hmm. Legacy. And I think this theme works both metatextually and in and the, literally the, in, in universe mm-hmm. because metatextually it's a legacy because 500th episode. Right. And there's a lot of callbacks in terms of, uh, you know, the suit designs and the stories and things like that, that go back to mighty Morphin mm, and it's sure. teenage heroes again in yeah. high school. There's a lot of, so there's, this is very much a back to basics. This is a true back to basics power ranger season. Mm. They're not, you know, they're not, you know, combining it like in wild forest where some of them were young adults. Some of them were still high schoolers. No, it's truly high school superheroes again. Yeah. So, you know, but then, like I said, it works in universe because, like I said, Tommy is Zordon. And like, and you know, what I was talking about earlier, like some of the things that Tommy says to the Rangers, like when he's mentoring them, it has to have come from it, you could reasonably say that, oh, that must have been something that Zordon told him when he was a Ranger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talking about how like essentially essentially uh, talking about how, um, you know, how, how, how difficult it is to balance, you know, your ranger life and your civilian life, how, mm-hmm. you know, That's sometimes, sometimes how um, the things, your duty, your duty as a ranger comes before what you actually want to do, which mm-hmm. kind of, which comes into play with, with Connor and his soccer career, you know, cause Connor, uh, chooses to be a ranger and fulfill that obligation rather than pursuing a professional mm-hmm. soccer career, which he could have mm-hmm. easily done, but he chose to fulfill his destiny as a ranger instead of, you know, selfish ambition. And I'm not going to say, and I'm not really saying it was fully selfish ambition, just he was ambitious and it was, it was, his, it was his dream. He had to, he had to figure out what his priorities were. His priority. Yeah. It was his dream to be a soccer star. So some of those conversations with, with Tommy, with the, with our fellow Rangers here uh, about legacy and about how, what it means to really be a power Ranger. And it's, and it's very much, and it's, it's so prevalent in two of these episodes, one being uh, the legacy of power where they're literally going through the history of Tommy as a Rangers to get a, but not just Tommy. It's the whole franchise up to that point. Essentially the whole, yeah, you're right. The whole franchise, which skips over a couple of things. I noticed like countdown to destruction, but okay, fine. Mm -hmm. Um, it skips over and the they whole, breeze through some of the later stuff and they pretty breeze, fast. yeah they right I, I noticed that they breeze through the later stuff and they kind of just they forgot all about countdown to destruction i guess because of in universe like if they talked about countdown to destruction because in the countdown they were like oh all evil in the universe was eradicated because of the z wave so <laughs> they kind of had to retcon that a little bit they kind of had yeah you're right they kind of had the retcon and they kind of had to just kind of gloss over that because in universe that's it actually had in universe it happened but for them to bring it up wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to our crop of rangers like oh i thought evil was finally eradicated and it would just be more convoluted than what it needed to be but you know they got a, a essentially a glimpse of their history like they got a very good mm-hmm. history lesson. Not yeah, only they were they were told like, yeah, you're not the only ones. What what was the line in the? It's like, what our teacher is the oldest living Power Ranger? No, not the <laughs> oldest. 
Just the best. Just the best. Yeah. And I thought that was like the payoff for every Ranger fan out there. It's like, yes, Tommy is the best. Um, He's the goat. (laughs) He's the goat. Yeah. He he, he is the goat uh, in my personal opinion. Don't at me. Uh, Yes, quite. Anyway, um, (laughs) I'm so so sorry. We're being silly right now. Oh my God. um, It's getting late. We're we're getting a little loopy. But anyway, but yeah. So so they're they're basically telling him, it's like you're part of a a A rich huge uh, rich history yeah there's been multiple heroes i'm still a little confused why some people act like power rangers aren't real and they don't know what it's like do you not pay attention Mm. (laughs) are you too poor (laughs) to pay attention okay what the heck but at least in this in dino thunder like oh yeah power rangers i know what those are yeah (laughs) they're not acting like they're just comic book characters i'm like Okay. Anyway, so they get to be part of something bigger, you know, mm. which is, I think is, you know, as the franchise goes on for what I understand, certainly in the boom studios comics, they start talking about how the Morphin grid is this, it's like the force in star Wars. It's this, you know, it's this you know, universal force we'll say, and there are different ways you can tap into it to become power Rangers. You can use magic, mm. you can use technology. Yeah. It's just, it, it it's like they don't eat, not everyone fully understands what it does. Yeah. They just know how to use it, mm-hmm. which is kind of fascinating. So there's all these different ways and that you can do it. And I, it's, I was pointing out that if you really stopped and thought about it, Lightspeed Rescue after Countdown to Destruction for a long time was the only terrestrial Power Ranger team we had. Mm-hmm. You know, and now these kids are like, we get to join this. Oh my. Yeah. You know, and, that the idea of joining something with such a long lineage, mm. yeah, that's exciting for a lot of people. I think people need that. Yeah, it's it's like um, you know joining something that's and you touched on it just briefly. It's like joining joining up with something bigger than yourself um, to help to help leave a legacy for a future generation to help kind of. Not necessarily lay the groundwork because these rangers are you're benefiting of from decades of of what was established way back in in Mighty Morphin, but um, <laughs> way back in ninety three. But you know there is just something about like you know latching attaching yourselves on attaching yourselves to a bigger cause, something bigger than yourself. And I think that the 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 drive to do that in human beings is to kind of leave a legacy, not, not to leave a legacy, like so that your good deeds, um, kind of come that the things that will come after you will happen because of the good deeds and the good things you did throughout, you know, throughout your time. I I don't know how to, I'm not probably being as eloquent as I typically would be, but yeah. But what's interesting is that we see this with Tommy most, especially because he's mentoring. And right. I, a large part of where legacy comes from is in sharing your experiences with others mm-hmm, and for sure. you know, so they can learn from it. Right. Yeah. And we also see legacies, I think in other parts of the show, I think we see legacy with the Mercer men to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. In some ways it's also a little bit negative. Yeah. You know, uh, and there's a little bit because like I said, the Mercer men's stories parallel each other very well. They do. We also see it a bit negatively with Tommy trying to, you know, he created the problems 
you know, he created the Tyranno drones, which led to the creation of Mesagog. And, you know, we saw what, you know, what that brought about. Mesagog was basically trying to reinstate the legacy of dinosaurs because he's, you know, that was for him the ideal world. Yeah. So yeah, legacy can be both positive and negative, I would say. Yeah. And that's something that I think we we touched on earlier. Like, I wish that they would have expanded. The, and I'm going to I want to give Kim some time here to answer here, too. But Kim, what did you think about? Um, Like, do you think that the show needed to sh- needed to kind of show the audience or show Tommy that there were consequences for his actions? It shouldn't it essentially just shouldn't have been this clean for him. What do you what do you think? I agree. They there should have been like they should have shown like the consequences of his actions and uh he should have like felt some sort of guilt and like for like um contributing to the badness, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, jumping into the, you know, theme of legacy, like every single character in this series wanted to have a legacy of some sort. Right. Like Anton Mercer eventually initially wanted to, you know, force Trent to carry on his legacy of Mercer Industries, but, you know, he allowed Trent to follow his own path eventually. Mm -hmm. And Connor wanted to leave behind a legacy of being a famous soccer player. And Ethan wanted to be, um, he wanted to own a multi-billion dollar software business. (laughs) Yeah, he even made that joke. It's like, in 10 years, when you have a receding hairline, and (laughs) I'll be running a multi-billion dollar industry. Okay, apparently you're (laughs) Steve Jobs. We get it. All right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. pipe pipe down, Ethan. But yeah. Yeah, um. yeah. (laughs) Calm down, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Kira was a... She was a musician. She wanted to be it. That, That was interesting. She There's a variation of the, you know, girl ranger wants to be famous story that almost every power ranger season does yeah and they did that with her where she almost gets a record deal but it would have required that she completely changed her image and it wasn't her like they yeah. tried they tried to turn her into lady gaga she looks like the monster of the week in that episode <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny actually it actually would have been good like to turn her into the mo- yes she looks like a monster <laughs> it's like some lady gaga singer you know <laughs> oh my goodness it, it would have been funny. great actually and then they had to they would have to fight it and break kira free and then she'd be like i'm going to kill that thing <laughs> all she was missing was the ribeye steak stuck to her outfit but anyway yeah um, yeah <laughs> Yeah. But you know, but also should be noted should be noted that Miss Lahana is a musician. She wrote the songs that Kira plays and she mm-hmm. performed them yeah, in the song. And it yeah. actually sounded good. I'm like, you know, as pop yeah. music goes, this is pleasant. Yeah. This is actually really good. Because mm-hmm. we've had like the obligatory Ranger wants a music career uh episodes before. Or but fashion career, model fashion career, career, model whatever, career, career, some kind of superficial career. Um, but in this one, it actually worked. And I think the reason why it worked is because our actress can actually sing. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. But again, that goes back to you know, leaving a legacy. She wanted to leave a legacy in music. Mm-hmm. In a, yeah. Interestingly, she's the only one of our She's one of the few characters doesn't have a prom date and they even call it out. It's like, well, that makes me a little sad. I kind of kind of wanted her and Trent to get together. Me too. Yeah, but she was focused on, you know, performing at the prom. So I think she got, I, I guess I think she I was I think she got what I think she because the final shot of the the final 
shot of the of the show is well before they go back to the 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 shot of them getting the dino gems is her on stage yeah mm-hmm. yeah which i think speaks to the legacy that was left to them and that they ended up leaving i guess you could say because it's it's reminiscing back on the show and mm-hmm. all of their experiences together yeah and it's, it's it a little very appropriate. It's appropriate. It was sweet. It was kind of like a little sugary sweet at the end there. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cassidy but, wanted to be a reporter and <laughs> she was very ambitious. And yeah, you know, people have said, you know, newspapers are the, the rough drafts of history. So she gets to write the rough drafts. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I think that Dino Thunder as a whole, it is the spiritual successor to Mighty Morphin, to that rich legacy, to that rich history that was laid, that was the, the groundwork that was laid back in 1993, 1993. Uh, and then we're seeing kind of like the perfected version of that original, uh, that original idea, like the very faithful, perfected mm-hmm. version of that. You know, it just occurred to me you know, with this thematic discussion, even the title of the show, I kind of wonder if that plays into it. You know, Dino Thunder it's, you know, it's loud. And a lot of times the older generations, that's how they think of the younger ones. They're loud, but that's because they're, they're, they're full of youthful energy, but they need direction, you know? Yeah. So they might be loud, but they need you, they need that energy so they can go get stuff done. Yeah. And, you know, so that's what this is. This is the, this is the, the next generation, I guess you could say of Mighty Morphin season one. You yeah. Could, and I guess you can say like, um, to that end, like some of the characters, like carry on the legacy of like pre- the characters from Mighty Morphin. Like mm-hmm. Ethan is the blue nerd, like the blue ranger nerd, the, the blue tricera nerd, and Cassidy and Devin almost kind of carry on the legacy of Bulk and Skull in that they're comic relief characters that yep. go that experience growth mm-hmm. as the series progresses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, uh, the archetypes and the characters. So like I said, legacy works metatextually and it works in universe as well. And um, they these rangers needed to have somebody who was experienced and knew how to do this superhero game, knew how to do the ranger life. Because honestly, if they had been left to their own devices, I mean, they would not have coalesced as a team at all. Oh, I believe so. Mm-hmm. So... so that's where gonna, Tommy came in. <laughs> well, I know we've been given permission to go long, but we need to land this Terrazord. So let's move okay. on to the <laughs> awards, the trademark stolen awards from oh, Henshin. Why do you Men. keep saying? Why do you keep <laughs> saying that? Why do you keep saying they're stolen? They are borrowed and perfected. Uh, so, the, so what you're saying is the Power Trip Awards are to the henchmen awards what dino thunder is to mighty morphin season one is that what yes. you're getting at yes yes quite anyway yes quite. <laughs> people are probably getting really tired of us saying yes quite <laughs> <laughs> well they can deal with it anyway so first up we have the power range of motion for the best stunt or fight scene kim as our first mainline guest i think you should go first i agree 
Okie dokie. All right. So my award for power range of motion is the. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. Yes, quite. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the team up with Ninja Storm, the Ninja Storm Rangers, because, oh my God, that, that battle hyped me up because they, the Dino Thunder and the theme song kicked in. I was like, Dino Rangers for I'm like, yeah. yeah. So it was just awesome. I, I, I was it. glad that they at least gave the Ninja Storm Rangers a little bit of their own theme song. Because that's yeah, been the something that the, the, the Dino Thunder theme is so much cooler. It is, but I have to say one of the things that kind of bugged me about reinforcements from the future with Wild Force and Time Force is they didn't play the Time Force theme. Yeah, that's rude. That was rude. Yes, yes, quite. Anyway, yes, quite. and <laughs> so, but you know, which is one of the things that made the Lost Galaxy in space crossover so great. They play both theme songs. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a. I, I considered that one. I definitely considered that. One. What do you have, Michael? For my power range of motion, uh, I'm going to give it to dueling four wheelers. <laughs> there was a lot of those. Which the one dueling four wheelers? This is like when uh, this is this is when to- it's Tommy versus Trent, evil Trent on their dueling four wheelers. Uh, it's a oh, lot of I like- remember now. I was, I was, I love good like vehicle stunts, like motorcycle stunts and others. And I thought that that was really entertaining. It was, um, and you don't see a lot of like vehicle, I guess you don't see a lot of vehicle battles within, within Power Rangers. And that one kind of really stood out to me mm-hmm. as one that was kind of fun to watch. Like it was like, there was so many good ones in this. I could have picked, uh, a Mezagog versus, uh, Lothor. I could have easily picked that, but I went with, um, dueling four wheelers. Uh, because it was just different. Mm-hmm. I just want to say right now, Dino Thunder has some of, uh, uh, as a season, has some of the best fight choreography oh, in does. Rangers it's that wonderful. we've seen so far. It's wonderful fight choreography. I was, um, I was, surpri- I was impressed in almost every episode. Like, good lord, you were really amping it up. Mine goes to something that I hinted at. We need to park here a little bit. This is one of the standout Tommy episodes mm. that also does play into the thematics and also into the you know pile of small things. <laughs> and that is Tommy versus All his ranger powers. Small things. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Tommy versus his ranger powers. So the whole thing where Tommy can't morph and they're trying to fix it. Mm. And then there's a couple episodes where he's invisible because that's his civilian powers. He could turn invisible. Right. And then that becomes permanent. Well, that, you know, he can't turn. Well, he just turns invisible. They can't fix. Then they have to fix that. And then they use the magic slime goo thing that never gets explained. Mm-hmm. Throw that onto the pile of small things. And then they Nickelodeon him by just dumping the slime on him. So it puts Tommy in a coma. And then we have this whole episode. It's called Fighting Spirit, where and it's a little bit odd. Disney brain brought up that he wished that this had been Tommy wrestling with his guilt over making the Tyranna drones and stuff. And I kind of get it, but I do like the idea of basically Tommy fighting all there's some nostalgia to it and it's a little gimmicky, but it, it makes sense. All of his Ranger powers are basically testing his resolve, mm. you know, testing his will to live. And if he can't pass, then they don't think he's strong enough to, continue you know to keep going which again goes back to tommy's personal legacy because he's 
you know, dealing with that. They, the, the different ranger forms even taunt him a little bit. I think, what was it? Was it the white one who made a comment about how he finally cut his hair? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was the white one. Yeah. The white one. Yeah. And we get to see a new, they, they go in reverse order, but I think to ramp up the excitement, they skip the turbo ranger. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they did it one for time too. They're like, nobody likes turbo, <laughs> but I also think it makes sense because the turbo ranger was two people. It wasn't strictly Tommy. Yeah. He shared that one. But so we start with the zeo ranger and then we had the white ranger and then we get to see the green ranger again. And thank God they fixed the dang dragon shield. <laughs> oh no my God. more soft tacos. <laughs> no more soft taco. Although they put the weird little silver crest on it, which looks kind of odd. I think it should have been gold. It looks yeah, weird. It's fine. Yeah. It's it, yeah. But you know, so then, so we get the, it's, I guess it's a little gimmicky, but we get to see Tommy fight all of his Ranger forms. And did you notice that it's different settings and they put different color palettes on it to match each one that he fights? Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. Because when he, when he, when he fights his Zeo form, it's in a red desert. Uh When he fights, uh, the white it's in a, um, it's in kind of a, an Asian looking jungle, I guess. Yeah, uh, there's a lot then, of white in it. There's a lot of white in it. And then when he fights his green ranger form, everything is green. <laughs> My God, they overuse that green filter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then what was interesting is that the green ranger has him basically dead to rights. And you think he's just going to stab. Oh, and uh, they, they traded the dagger. That was fun. <laughs> like Tommy got it and he tried to use it. And then the green ranger took it back. And then it looks like he's the green is just going to finish him off. And instead he puts the dagger in the other hand and just helps him up and says, you pass. Essentially so, saying, essentially saying you're worthy. Yeah. You are, you are worthy. Yeah. Now I know it messed with you a little bit because you didn't like the white ranger turning on him. <sighs> no, I get it. Like I get it in, cause I was thinking of it. I'm, I was thinking of it in the context of the lore. Whereas because in the law in the in Power Ranger lore, the White Ranger powers were developed in such a way they could not be corrupted. But when you and I talked about it, you were you were correct in, in you were correct in this that um, they weren't being evil per se, but they were testing Tommy to be mm-hmm. they were testing his ability they were testing mm-hmm. his resolve yeah hence and it wasn't just a physical one either they were taunting him too i mean why do you think you know oh tommy you finally cut that cut your hair you know <laughs> yeah and, and, and this is not the first time we've talked about tommy's resolve being tested his resolve has been tested i think at least once per season he's been in mm-hmm. um but this one this one was really effective because it does play more into, you know, that legacy that, that mm-hmm. Tommy Oliver has built for himself mm-hmm. since, since mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. hanging up the boots or, mm-hmm. or picking the boots back up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, like I said, we get to see the old suits come back. We get to see Jason David Frank show how good of a martial artist he is. And he fights his, himself. Basically it, it all works, but it mm-hmm. doesn't feel it's not the mega force problem <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where it just feels like fan service 
or it's empty fan service. It's fan service for the fa- for the sake of fan service. Yeah. This is this is fan service, but it serves a purpose. Yeah, for sure. All right, and then on we go to the Ultra SFX Zord Award for the best special effect. What did you have, Kim? Um, I just had the the filter that they put on and drawn into danger. Um, the comic book filter. Oh, yeah, the comic okay. book filter. Yeah. yeah. I, I just I just thought it was unique that I, it's not something we've really seen before. So it just kind of stood out to me. Yeah, I I enjoyed that. And you know, that they, they make a little callback to the storybook episode again indirectly. Mm-hmm. I was really into it. You know, you know me, I love comic books. And for the time in which this was made, this made probably made the most sense for how to do it. Mm-hmm. But after a couple of minutes, they I didn't thought to go myself, far enough. I'm like, yeah, he didn't go far enough. Yeah. I, want, I want, I want Batman 66 onomatopoeia on the screen. Well, like I want pow and zap and well, boom. And it's not just that. It's like, like I, I and this probably plays into some budget. It's probably like budget constraints, but like I wanted them to go full on like animated Rangers. Like, ah! full, like full and mm. fully animated comic book style animation. I don't know if they necessarily needed to do that, but you know, but they did kind of mess with the some of the the special effects in it. You know, things like the sparks and the energy and all that. That looked a little different, but yeah, you could also tell that they shot that footage on video. <laughs> yeah, very much. <laughs> <laughs> Which might be why they put the filter on it so they could hide the fact that it was shot on video. <laughs> it's 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 a really interesting episode. Um, it's again, it's not my favorite, but it's a really interesting episode because we talked about this early in, in, to, in this show where this is one of two times in this season where a civilian finds out the identity of a power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a and, big deal. And honestly, it just, the whole episode just kind of reminded me of that video from take on. <laughs> I have that in my notes. <laughs> that too. Oh my God. <laughs> it does look like that. So that's that's what right up, I was like. Why does this sound? Why does this feel so familiar? And then I remember. Then I remember that music video. I'm like, oh, what was the name of the monster in that? I wish they had Phrygia. Um, Phrygia. The yeah, Phrygia. Phrygia. What? And she had, she had one of my favorite lines. Like, how dare you color? How dare you challenge me with your colorful costumes? Because <laughs> <Like> that. <laughs> she had no color. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I wish they had actually worked. It's like take on me <laughs> and start taunter taunting the monster to get yeah. come after. Why don't you take us all on? Yeah, I don't know. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Michael, what did you have? Yeah, not my favorite, but still, still a lot of fun. So for my Ultra FSX, F, SFX, my Ultra SFX Zord Award, overcome your Lestixia. I don't understand why that was so hard to say, but my award's actually going to go to with go to Surfing Megazord. Surfing Megazord. That is so weird. <laughs> I, know Megazord, we, I know yeah. we love giving this award to epic Absurd. shots of Zords. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but the Surfing Megazord, that was that was a weird one. <laughs> it was a weird one. But I was, you know, when I was watching that for the first time, when it, fir- when it first happened, I'm like, I had this big cheesy smile on my face and I knew that that had to be my award, my SFX sword award. 
Yeah. Mine was actually the first Zord battle because it's a little different than a typical Zord battle. Mm-hmm. They're fighting a basically a giant spaceship. So it's not like fighting a monster of the week and they have to destroy it differently. I'm like, that's funny that you actually do a unique Zord battle right off the bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where instead of doing the normal thing, you know, slashing at it and punching it, drilling it and all that. No, they, they have to fly up, find a weak spot and then fly through with their drill tail weapon to hit it in just the right spot to and fly through it and make it explode. I'm like, you know what? Why don't you do this more often? I'd love to see this more often, Joe. So kudos to you for doing that. We should also point out that, you know, there's a lot of CGI Zords in this, except for when they're combined and then it's a suit. And the CGI is getting better. I will say that. At this, yeah, at this stage in the franchise, the CGI is definitely like Wild Force was rough. That had some rough CGI. Yeah, it's still better than the movie true but it still had some rough cgi and and dino thunder you can on it you can tell you can see the progression of the cgi for within dino thunder yeah and now for more phenomenal mad libs for the best line what do you got for us kim all right so i chose the line from uh lost and found in translation um (laughs) (laughs) um you know, they're all watching the show and Connor's complaining about how unrealistic it is. And then Ethan says, no one said it was a documentary. Use your imagination. And I chose that because I very much share this sentiment because like, I'm, I'm so, I can't stand when people just tear apart a movie or a TV show for not being realistic. And I'm just like, it's not a documentary. Like I get, I get that you need some realism to keep things grounded and, you know, on some level, but like there's a time and place for everything. Yeah. Just, you know, it, it, it's okay to just sit back and embrace the nonsense every once in a while. Yeah. Well, that whole episode was full of really oh, good. We'll really get to good, that. <laughs> really good one. That whole episode was full of really good one-liners. Oh yeah, you know, like uh, what was it? <laughs> that guy looks like uh, that looks like a guy in a suit. <laughs> yeah, or um, or like this is this is one from Kira. I think it was Kira or Ethan. It's basically just because it's different doesn't make it bad. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I think that really just kind of because I'll admit that I used and Nathan knows I used to <laughs> kind of. I don't want to watch Sentai. I used to snub my. I used to be one of those fans that was Power Rangers only. Like he was was a power snob. I was a power snob. Yeah, because and I think I was. I think it was because I was so. I was clouded by my nostalgia that I did not want to have that challenged by watching something different. And this is what kind of bugs me about this is this is the only soapbox that I'll get up on. Uh oh. Uh oh. Soapbox time. This is my only soapbox. This is it's what what bugs me the most about fans of something is they will scoff at other fans because they enjoy something that they don't the they will scoff at people just because they enjoy something different than what they enjoy and that's really stupid um it's really, I, I get really irritated with Ranger fans, especially when they'll say, I don't like Sentai. Sentai's stupid or Sentai's too silly. And I get, and I, and I, and I get irritated with Sentai only like Japan 
OnlyFans and not <laughs> Japan only Japan fans. Only fans? Wow. What? Oh, wow. I'm so sorry to the no, I must apologize no. to the entire country of Japan in that moment. Oh, um, Start bowing. But like the Sentai only fans, not even Sentai only fans. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So many, so many Freudian slips can we get in one episode? Wow. Okay. Like the 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 fans fans who only like Sentai, the fans that only like Sentai, and I can think of a few that say that Power Rangers is a bastardization of Super Sentai. Um, And I find that to be, I find that to be silly because I feel like that's that's like a an elitist attitude that really shouldn't be had like don't i'm not gonna i don't want to get too preachy but it's just it's just really dumb and immature that you would that that you would just look down at something as inferior just because you don't enjoy it and that's where i'm kind of in before i get too far well you you jumped onto the soapbox a little early because the last award would have given you grounds to talk about that but anyway my line is comes from tommy and it's plays into the theme of legacy. I will say that, but it's also incredibly funny. Mm. Not just it, just if you like genre fiction and superhero fiction in general, which is, Oh, that wasn't my award, by the way, if it's, if you oh, thought that was, sorry, what is your award? That wasn't actually my award though. I, I, was, I just, was so distracted by that soapbox. I was, I was just piggybacking off of what, uh, what Kim was saying. Uh, but my actual award comes from, um, uh, from their first encounter with the white ranger. And I think it's Kira that says this, uh, why are you doing this? You're losing it. And then the white ranger responds, no, you're losing it and you're losing it to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I like to chat. Sometimes I like to choose just simply just BA lines. And mm-hmm. that to me was a really BA line. And just to be fantastic, my runner up is going to be from Angor where he <laughs> says, now I'm, Angry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, anyway, as I was saying, Tommy line plays into the uh, into legacy and just superhero fiction. He Mezagog is monologuing about whatever about you know torturing him and getting information and getting all the dino gems and things. And Tommy just says, why can't you just want to rule the earth? Like all the other sickos. (laughs) (laughs) That was a runner up for me. <laughs> just like yes it's almost meta in a way <laughs> it's, it's just like why can't you be all like the rest of them okay it's so much easier <laughs> uh, and now we get to i i i can't believe that happened for the craziest moment <laughs> i feel like we're all gonna have the same thing but i still want kim actually to go- kim does not kim does not okay oh i know you and i are gonna have the same one but Go, I Kim. mean, I, I see, I see what what Nathan has there, and yeah, that is that that was a runner up. But uh, um, I actually chose um, Devin's Saturday Night Fever moment in uh, the <laughs> the meteorite episode. <laughs> he straight up turns into John Travolta in that episode. It's hilarious. <laughs> I just found it, it is pretty funny. I, I have to admit that it, that is pretty funny. But uh, and well, and what's kind of funny about that is. If we, if, Kira stops being a you know stops being a punk for a while and it's just like oh my gosh Miss Lahana you are very pretty <laughs> yeah you are definitely Power Ranger pretty for sure yeah power pretty yeah <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> so, Michael, do you and I have the same one? We it's have an entire same, episode. We have the same one. It it's is an the, entire episode. We're cheating a little bit, but yeah, I don't it, know how. We I don't can't. know how, I, We can't, but it's it's the episode Lost and Found in Translation. Which is one of the actually this was you actually told me before the power purchase like if you only catch one episode of dino thunder before the before netflix gets rid of it watch this one yeah and this again plays into legacy because what's the legacy here power rangers is part of the super sentai legacy because super sentai was around for 15 years before power rangers Mm mm-hmm and without Super Sentai, there would be no Power Rangers. Deal with it. <laughs> I mean, I, I acknowledge but, that. I, I mean, I acknowledge that fact. Um, there is, there would be no Sentai without, there would yeah. be no Power Rangers without Sentai. Yeah. Well, what's kind of funny is they reverse it in this. Is This is what's so brilliant. Basically, what this is, is that it's an abridged episode of ABBA Ranger that they just dubbed. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. And they come up with a good framing device for it because it's supposed to be the kids are hanging out at this at this at the cyberspace late at night and Haley just got satellite TV with nine hundred channels and they find a TV channel that plays Japanese TV and they're like, Oh my gosh, guys, look, it's a show based on us from Japan. <laughs> So they reversed it. So it's like they're watching their own legacy in Japan, but it's actually the show that inspired them it's so wonderfully meta and so you just so they just like i said it's a little bit edited for time and there there were a few bits of content that they took out like there were points where there was a security guard who brandished a gun and they took those parts out and things yeah. like that like i we i think you and i both watched i did the, i watched yeah. the yeah i yeah. watched the original version and and it's so incredibly insane. It shows you how different ABBA Ranger is. Again, going back to, you know, to the line that Kim had, you know, it's not a documentary. Use your imagination. Because they're so like, this isn't like us at all. It's like, yeah, like they know who we really are, you know? <laughs> and it's so funny because I know there are some people who complained about the dub that they did. Because it's kind of a comedy dub, but actually, after I watched the you know the fan subbed episode, I'm like, actually, it's not too far off. It's yeah. The only like the major like the biggest difference is Mister O'Shaughnessy, <laughs> and they make them they make the Japanese characters say their power up phrase, their henshin phrase. It's different in Abba Ranger, but but other than that, it actually follows it pretty close. And like I said, it really does show show you how different it is. Kaching was not called Kaching. That's where that's where the big bear thing comes from. He's an ATM. He's a teddy bear ATM, and he shoots coins at people. And he gives them, yeah. yeah, And he gives them. They call them mushroom cuts, uh, mushroom cut haircuts in the Sentai that makes people super greedy. Mm. And there's a baseball player who needs absurd. Yeah, it's just the whole thing's absurd. It's just so absolutely nuts. It's absurd, and, yeah. and I, I, it works because Connor was having to do a report, a report in one of his classes about the difference between American and Japanese culture, and he used that sent that Sentai episode to illustrate that they're not as different as you might think. As he got into it, as the episode went on, you get to hear the Sentai theme song. 
It's like the one of the only times that the Sentai theme song gets heard in Power Rangers. It's crazy. It's, yeah, it's, it's and all, it was it's also at a time. Crazy. Yeah, and it was also at a time where most people in America were not able to see Sentai, so you got to see an actual episode. It, it's just all of these things. It just piles that just pile on that made it one of the most entertaining episodes of the whole season. I thought, and I also think. In an v- interesting way, this also, if you want to talk about legacy, I think this also shows us what could have been mm. with Power Rangers. This could have been what Power what Power Rangers was when we started. It, it could have just been Zhu Ranger dubbed. dubbed. Mm. They they just dub it. No new footage. I don't think it would. I don't think it would have lasted nearly. It as wouldn't long. have lasted. I mean, they would have if they had tried to give it the anime treatment, which is just dub it. I don't think it would have lasted. It would have been just kind of weird. It would I have think. been. It would have been a novelty. Yeah, that might have gotten a cult following, and everyone would have been like, "Yeah, you remember that Power Rangers show? You know, where it was just the you know that." Japanese show, but dubbed. Oh, that was kind of amusing for a few episodes, right? You know, yeah, it would it would not be the pop culture phenomenon it is now. Yeah, which again, you know, going back to legacy, that could have been it. It, it might have been amusing, but it wouldn't have lasted. I no. don't think. No, absolutely not. And some things just wouldn't have translated. <laughs> the, nowadays, people don't even necessarily want dubs of Tokusatsu. They would rather just have it subtitled. In a lot of ways, Power Rangers is a little bit of a relic. They kept mm-hmm. up with the with the whole thing of using the Sentai footage and editing new footage around it as basically as tradition. I don't I think, know when it became that, but it did. I think that people are I think people now are getting more and more comfortable with subtitled media than they than maybe they used to. Especially yeah. like this like especially the generation growing up now. I feel like they're more open and accepting to subtitle media. Whereas we're not, when we were growing up, Nathan, that would be something that people would scoff at. Like, why would I want to watch, uh, why would I want to watch something in a language I can't hear and understand? I I have to read. I have to read my favorite TV show. How dare you? How How dare you? you? Yeah. What did you think of this ridiculous, wonderful episode? (laughs) Uh, it was ridiculous and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you do you remember seeing this when you were a kid? That episode? No, no, I I didn't really see it till like we, my brother and I watched through it a couple okay. like a few years ago. What was it like seeing it for the first time? I was like, what? What it was it was weird. I'm like, oh, okay, this is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I almost wish they did this more often. I think it'd be kind of amusing to try a weird little experimental episode like this where they just fall into the Sentai. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like if you're a fan of. I feel like now, especially in the West, if you're a fan of things like Ultraman and Common Rider and Super Sentai and even to some degree Godzilla, like you're in this kind of really fun, unique, exclusive club because you have been able to broaden your horizons enough that you get exposed to a different culture and a different type of media than what we would necessarily get here in the West. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Makes me feel feel good about my very niche nerddom. Mm. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. I anyway. regret nothing. <laughs> I regret nothing. Yes, quite. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you drink. <laughs> you knew there had to be one more. So, oh, man, we may have been given permission, but we've gone on long. So it's time to wrap things up, especially since poor Kim has to get some sleep before her big day this weekend. I have to, I have to ask this really quick. Kim, did you realize that you were coming on to talk about Dino Thunder for three and a half hours? I thought maybe like two hours. (laughs) 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 We've hit two hours and we're still not done. Second (laughs) cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. So I have to keep up with these young chaps. Yes, quite. (laughs) Yes, quite. quite. Uh, My fiance will be walking in in a few minutes. So yeah, let's indeed wrap this up. (laughs) Yeah, we need to wrap this up. So just to let everybody know, we have another fun episode after this with another guest. So we're continuing the guest trend. Next time, we're going to be talking about Power Rangers, SPD, Power Rangers to the rescue. Anyway, get some more Wasserman tracks back in there. And we'll be joined by J.R. Villers from the Drift Space podcast. Mm-hmm. And he personally requested this one. Well, good. I'm I'm really stoked. I'm really happy to have um I'm really happy to have JR on. It, it's been a while since we've talked to JR. So. Yeah, JR had a, a, a medical emergency that he had to deal with and he bounced back because he's JR frickin' Villers and it's what he does. Right. Yeah. In fact, I actually, t- oh, when he posted on Twitter again and telling everybody he was back, I was like, hey, it's good to see you, man. And he sent me a, he sent me a gif of the Gold Ranger and it said, back to action. <laughs> Good. I'm I'm really looking forward to talking to talking with yeah. Jr. Uh, SPD, from what I can gather, is a, is one of the high points of the Disney era. So we'll see. Uh, we already we just talked about one of the high points. We'll see where uh, how SPD stacks up. But it's where but you know where Dino Thunder was, you know the spiritual sequel to Mighty Morphin. My understanding is that SPD is a spiritual successor to time force. Mm-hmm. So it should be interesting. Should be, should be. Uh, but what is also very interesting is our guest, Kim. Uh, so thank you, Kim, for coming on and talking with, talking with us about Dino Thunder. This has been a pleasure. So before uh, we say the power blessing and wrap things up, go ahead and plug everything that you're involved in. So people can, that have stuck around this long can find you. All right. So uh, on YouTube, you can find me as Kaiju Kim. I make wholesome and delightfully stupid content related to Godzilla and his fellow Kaiju. Um, As of recording this, I'm in the middle of um, reviewing the uh, comic book series Godzilla versus the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So if you like Power Rangers, you might be into that. Um, I have a weekly talk show, um, Jill with Kaiju Kim. I, I stream live on Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have going on on the interwebs at the moment. Yeah, this was a, this was a pleasure, Kim. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Mm -hmm. I know you didn't quite sign up to go this long, but. (laughs) Or deal with a pair of big personalities like this. I mean, you've dealt with us individually, but two at the same time. Oh boy. I mean, I'm used to both of y'all. It's fine. Thank yeah, you. But both of us at the same time. That's a lot. That is a lot. You're a brave but, woman. You know, She's a uh, very brave woman. You're, you're, you guys are cool, though. 
Thank you. We, we appreciate we have the Kai, Queen Kaiju Kim has given us her seal of approval. We are officially the cool kids. Oh, so yes. that, does this mean I'm uncanceled? Uh, mm, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, Michael, tonight when you sleep, you now need to fight all of your past ranger selves, and then you can be uncanceled. <laughs> okay. Sounds like sounds sounds like a plan. But uh, meanwhile, Kim is just going to be standing there cackling like Rita while you do it. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh boy! And as always, dear listener with attitude. May you leave a dynamite legacy. May your no mean no and your yes mean yes quite. (laughs) And may the power protect you. Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marchant. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at thepowertrippod. And join our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasters. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations. Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The Power Trip has no association with Saban Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya! This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2022 Kaiju Ramen Media LLC.